What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 85, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am on a 10-game heater, and I don't know what to do with my hands. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's extremely excited for LSU to be number six in the country that he put on their app. Frank, how we doing? Devils are on a heater. LSU's on a heater. Oh, my goodness. The show is on a heater. Frank, I never thought. I never in my wildest dreams. I knew winning a couple lotteries and drafting a player like Heesher in 17, we were there. Drafting a player like Hughes in 2019, we were not there. We went to Moretti's for Joey's birthday. Um, I never thought they'd be good enough to win 10 games. And like that does, doesn't happen. The Hawks didn't win 10 games in a row any of the years, any of them. And winning 10 in a row doesn't mean you're going to win a cup or anything like that. But it's just a nice, it's a fun little stretch that it could be once in a lifetime. It legitimately could be once in a lifetime. We will get to them in a little bit. But first, I got to ask you before we roll into period number one, how you doing? How was your weekend? It was good. Um, I'm trying to think what I did this weekend. I did something. Uh, I wouldn't be the one to know. I was at a wedding. Oh, yeah, you were at a wedding. Actually, mine wasn't that fun. I was at a funeral, but... Oh, rip. Yeah. But I'm sorry to I'm sorry to whoever. I'm not too sure whose funeral. We could discuss that off air, but I'm sorry for the loss, of course. I, I um, kind of forgot what happened. I was like... Yeah, you're like... Because it was a long weekend. I'm like, what happened? You're like, I did something fun. Oh, never mind. I was at a funeral. Well, Sunday was fun. Okay, what an awkward start to the show. Now I guess I could start talking about the wedding, though, right? Go for it. Congratulations to Sam and Adam. Let's go. You're married. Tom wants to know, did Vinny get any sleep last night thinking about Jack Hughes' performance? No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. I am more excited... Bratley, what's up, Skokes? Uh, Brat leads the team in scoring. Heesher and Hughes are tied for second in team scoring. Hughes leads them in scoring on the 10-game point streak. So he's been on an absolute heater. Nobody knows what to do with him. I'm so excited to see what he's able to do. The Maple Leafs have a very injured defense, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm very excited about what's going on. It was a fun weekend, and I'm ready to talk some pucks. All right. Let's do it. We will talk some pucks in period number one. Frank, we're not going to get right off to the Devils like we probably would had we not let off with them last week. I want to talk about something, and I made it a point. I wrote this down. I had our game sheet started 
in my head the very night of our last show because it always seems to happen and it's going to happen again tonight. Something's going to happen that I have to keep in my head for an entire seven days till our next show. Last Wednesday, Trevor Zegras of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks scored a goal that was as pretty of a goal as I've ever seen in NHL history. Now, he scored the Michigan before. And for those who don't know, the Michigan is when you lacrosse style, get the puck on your stick and put it in the net like that. For those listening to the audio version, you like swing it in the net on your stick instead of shooting it like a traditional hockey play. They call it the Michigan because it was first ever successful during a University of Michigan game way back in the 90s. There are people who call it the lacrosse goal. Uh, I like calling it the Michigan. That's what I was brought up calling it. Um, It was different than every other Michigan goal I've ever seen, though, because he did it in stride. He did not stop his skates. And normally when a guy does the Michigan, he like hits the brakes and then tucks it in the top shelf of the net. This dude did it in stride. He looked like Connor McDavid. And then the Minnesota Wild challenged the goal for offsides. And after further review, an offside play that took place 45 seconds before the goal was called got the goal overturned. Frank, first of all, before we get into our offsides conversation, what did you think of Zegers' goal? Well, you want to know something funny? I had that game on. And I was looking at the screen live when it happened, which I have never seen live ever. I've never seen the Michigan go live. I've seen videos of it, but I was sitting there watching the game and it happened live. So I'm very excited that that happened. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. Um, It was very pretty. And then uh, it all went to shambles after it was waved offside. Okay. I love the goal. I saw it live too. I watched that Ducks wild game. It was fun. That was a fun wild game because they came back and won after the Ducks took a one nothing lead, if I recall correctly. And that was the first time I had ever seen the Michigan successful. Um, Zegris tried it against the Devils last year. So like, I do remember that he didn't succeed on that one, but there have been times where I've seen it attempted without it just being a Twitter highlight. So it was cool to see one, like, actually, you know, right there. Mm-hmm. And it pisses me off so much when a rule – and this happens in every sport. They implement a rule to try and make the game right. And then coaches and teams find a way to manipulate said rule against the spirit of the rule. The spirit of the rule is to review offsides on a play that is – impacted by the fact that it was offsides for example the play that got this rule put in place when Matthew Shane was five yards offsides on a play and the referee missed it and a goal was scored on that shot that was a result of that odd man rush I believe it was when Duchesne was still with Ottawa and the spirit of the rule is not to by a minuscule of a millimeter offsides that happened 45 seconds before the goal. It did not impact the play even slightly. And they're taking away amazing, beautiful, pretty goals like that. The league wants offense. The league wants players like Zegris playing the way that he does. And the rule for offsides got it all taken away. I completely disagree with you. I completely agree with the offsides call. 
I mean, then just get rid of offsides if you don't like it. Because correct me if I'm wrong, the puck never left the zone when it was offsides, or did it? I'm pretty sure the puck never left the zone when they entered when it was offsides, correct? Yeah, yeah. So then the play was impacted by that move. Now, say the puck left the zone. Say it went in, it was offsides, and I believe it was against Minnesota, right? Minnesota cleared the puck out of the zone. And now it's back to center ice and it comes back in and you would, whatever you do the Michigan, you can't challenge it for offsides because now you're in like a completely new play. But when you enter the zone offsides and that play leads to a goal in the offensive zone, because the puck wasn't able to be cleared. Well, the play should have been stopped. Okay. In a way we agree. And I know this is going to, this is going to get confusing this conversation in a way we agree because what I'm saying, in that 45 seconds, did possession change? Correct. Did the Wild hold the puck at all? I know all what you're saying. In that 45 seconds. If yeah, they, they did, did right? Yeah. Yes. There is no way that that offsides. The Ducks had to get the puck back. So what is the difference if they would have cleared the zone and then gotten it back in? Now, this what you're saying is correct. In the first part of what you said, I completely agree with. Why have offsides in the game? It's just when these millimeter ones from a minute, 45 seconds, I, I, I'm of the opinion that the league has to come up with a way. You still review it, but there's got to be some kind of like time. Well, even if it's minuscule, right? So let's just say hypothetically somebody's cherry picking at the blue line. Okay. And they were Matt Duchesne, five feet off sides. Right. And they enter the zone and they don't score, but he was able to go in there and get the possession started. It changes possession. Like, let's say they did it on purpose. Like Matt Duchesne's waiting at the opposing blue line, but he's in the offensive zone waiting for the puck to come. So as soon as he touches it, it's offside. Right. But he doesn't go and score right away. He waits about a minute. It changes possession in the offensive end. And then they score. Would you still you you'd still want to count that goal because it was changed, even though like he started the possession in the offensive zone? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. In a way, if that were to happen, I would call Duchesne an idiot. But I because... mean, he was able to get there before everybody else offside to start this play, even though it didn't right away lead to the goal. But because he was offsides, what he did led to the goal. Don't you think a lot of luck would have to go his way for him to be the first one to touch the puck anyway, though, in that case? Because it would be so obviously offsides in that case that I don't think it would ever get blown off. No, I know. I'm just saying if they allowed that to happen. Yes, yes. Then I would agree with you. That would be bullshit. Exactly. And that's kind of what happened here, whether it's five feet offside or five centimeters offside. The rule's a rule. you got to look at it the same way. I understand what you're saying. And and listen, it's never going to change. Like they're going to call off and you need offsides. If there wasn't offsides in hockey, it would be lacrosse in a lot of ways, except in lacrosse guys can't cross certain lines. So I guess that there's no offsides in lacrosse, but there is like the defenders can't cross midfield and the attackers can't play defense. So like in a way that, that prevents you needing offsides in that case, but I just, ah, uh, it, it's so it's so not cut and dry for me that like there are times where I'm like, really, this is gonna stop the Zegras Michigan goal because 
Kulikov was off. I think it was Kulikov. Someone, someone was offsides by a millimeter 45 seconds ago, and it didn't impact the goal being scored in any way. It's almost like, do you like challenging for missed stoppages? Like, what if a puck is batted down with a high stick 45 seconds before the ref doesn't call it, and then they go down to the other end and score? That goal would have never happened had the ref yeah, made that's a little the bit right call. In my it, opinion. How? I mean, you can't review everything. It's I like know. you're reviewing balls and strikes in baseball. The game That's would be what seven hours long. Yes. And so But offsides offsides and goalie interference are like two of the biggest things that you should look for and two of the biggest things that could determine an outcome of a hockey game. I do agree though, if like the puck hits the netting, that should be reviewed. Like I don't think that should ever go away. But as far as like hitting it with the high stick, that's so like I mean, you know how many times it's probably hit with a high stick and it's not blown dead to play. Yeah. Or like it, was a, it was a millimeter. Below the yeah. I mean, you could stuff like that. I think when it comes to like high sticking and like, unless it was crucial, right. If we're deciding the Stanley cup game winning goal on it, then yeah. But I think uh, like hand passes and high sticks, subtle high sticks and subtle hand passes. I mean, you can't review everything, but when you're talking about an offsides goal, or a goalie interference, or a puck hitting the netting, that's, like, way different in my opinion. I, I, the thing is, like, I, I kind of agree with you. And it's I just get what so, you're saying, though. such a gray area. And, like, I've heard people say, well, just, just review offsides in the playoffs. Well, the regular season impacts who makes the playoffs. And right. Whatnot, like the but I get season. what you're saying. And, like, like God, If Kulikov would have, like, touched it offsides and he would immediately score then you're saying yeah disallow it right yeah yeah right i get what you're saying but and like you like again you have to have offsides otherwise jack hughes would just hang out in front of the net the whole time and take stretch passes from whoever there'd be a thousand goals every game right if there was no offsides or no icing like icing needs to exist too because then guys would just launch it down whenever a situation gets tough no goals would ever get scored like, if you didn't have icing, every game would be 0-0. And if you didn't have offsides, every game would be 15-14. So, you know, I understand the rules and why they exist. I just don't understand. Like, And, and listen, there's a spirit of the rule that I, I believe in. The spirit of the rule of reviewing for offsides is for those obvious ones that clearly impacted the goals. Mm-hmm. And the I remember there was a goal that Zach Parisi scored against the Chicago Blackhawks a couple years ago. And they reviewed this thing for offsides. I'll never forget it. Pominville put it on net and Parisi like banked in a rebound. You know, that's how he scored 300 of his 400 Mm -hmm. goals. The Blackhawks challenged it and it was clearly offsides. It was so obviously offsides. I think it was Parisi, Pominville, and Koivu. And Koivu didn't tag up with the puck in time or something, and Parisi was offsides. I'll never forget it. And they called it a goal. And that's another thing that pisses me off about that and goalie interference is when I watch it, I go, I have no clue. I watch 300 hockey games a season between 82 Devils games and then miscellaneous throughout the rest of the league. It's... There was a goal yesterday that the Devils had waved off where Nico had the puck in the offensive zone and he made like a spinorama pass to Tatar 
and Tatar buried it, and they celebrated, went the whole thing. Montreal's challenging. The p- play was offside, ruled offsides after review because Nico hadn't tagged up yet. But Montreal put the puck in the zone. So how is it offsides on the Devils if they're not the ones that brought the puck in and they're reviewing it? And the Minnesota, the Montreal defender had all day to get it out, and he just stood there with the puck, and Nico attacked him and went for the puck as a two-way centerman would, and they scored a goal because of it, and it's waved offsides. It's just not in the spirit of the rule, in my opinion. I but what it's the rule, which how is why I get what you're saying. How would you feel if kind of similar to when a goal is scored, but the ref doesn't realize it, and Toronto comes in, and then you hear that horn, right? And Toronto comes and stops the game because there was a goal, but the ref didn't yeah. realize there was a goal. How would you feel if they did that for offsides? And they just did it right away? and Like, like it was hard. clear, like, they're looking at it like, oh, that was a close play, let's quickly check. Like, Toronto's monitoring it, and then, like, 30 seconds later, it's called offsides before they'll blow a horn. Like, like if it if there looks to be a lot of pressure in the zone, like, maybe there's a chance for a goal. Yeah, I don't know about you. I would hate that because I don't think they'll ever do it because then these guys would have to be so clearly watching these games. And it would 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 add an extra hour to every game because then you'd have to reset the clock back to what it would have been had the play been blown off sides at the right time. But they had to reset the clock anyway when the when the Michigan goal was. Yeah, yeah, but a goal being scored is far less often than an offsides being missed True. right like and then that's probably, i don't think it will ever get to that me either there's probably three or four missed offsides calls every single game mm-hmm. but only a couple of them lead to goals and those are the ones we talk about it's just a very it's just a very weird thing because it's so gray for me that like everything you said makes total sense. Like, okay, well, the Zegers goal, it was offsides, so let's just take it away. Like it's 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 see it sounds cut and dry when you word it like that. And I agree that that's gotta be taken into consideration. But I just think reviewing it for something that happened a minute ago, like I so agree. much happens in hockey in between that offsides miss call and Zegers putting the goal in the Michigan. Like, it's just, it's weird to me. And I'll never, it's not a perfect science. And that's my favorite explanation to it. No matter how you look at it, there are flaws to every argument. What you're saying about it being, that's the right call, end of story. The flaw to that is it's not in the spirit of the rule. That's not it was what is designed for. There is an element of human error to officiating just as much as there is um, playing. And that's like with baseball. We review certain things, but we're not going to review balls and strikes because that's where they want like human air and stuff until they put in robot umps. We'll see if that ever happens. But like, and then the flaw in my rule is you're, even though you're worried about the spirit of the rule and why it was designed, Zegers's goal wouldn't have counted had the ref or would have never happened had the ref blown offsides right when he should have. So I don't know. It's not perfect. Nothing is. That's exactly, exactly. There are a lot of goals that are scored that 
in some people's opinion would count and some people's it wouldn't and unbiasedly like that game didn't include the devils or the hawks so we're looking at it from a i mean if anything i'm rooting for the wild i'm rooting for the wild when they play the ducks you know me Mm -hmm. but i i would have liked to see the goal count because of i mean and that's another argument i heard though we can't just let goals count because they're pretty Right, like that that goes into it too. Like I, I've never been more torn on a topic. And the reason I even wrote it down on our sheet the way that I did was because of me listening to NHL Network Radio on the way to the gym the other day, and I was just like, they're having these conversations about it, and every single point, one side of the fence or the other, makes sense, and that's why it's so hard for me. Yeah, I mean, if you let goals in just because they're pretty, then you're just cheating. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and Zegers only scores pretty goals and has pretty assists. That's a oh, yeah, he's the most Ducks. skillful player on that team. On the Ducks? Yeah. Oh, without question. And that's he, why there's so much to, like, that's how you build around teams, is you build around guys that are like Trevor Zegers. Yes. Do I think Trevor Zegers is a lock to have 100 points in his career? No. No, not at all. But he could. I don't think he ever will, to be honest with you. Uh, he might one or once or twice. It's tough. It's tough. He, he's very, very skilled. And if he does get a winger or a centerman or something that can help take advantage of those skills even more, I do think a hundred points could be on the table, but he could be a close to a point per game player right now in his second year because of how absolutely skilled he is. But I agree. And it, like, who would you take, Zegris or Hughes? Hughes. Zegris or Heischer? I'd probably, I might go with Zegris. Yeah, a lot of people probably would, but I think Nico has more points. He'll have more points, and he's a better two-way player. But Zegris, he's just got that flash. Zegris has got better hands, though, than Heischer. Zegris might have better hands than everyone. Mm-hmm. Zegris is the closest thing I've seen to Pavel Datsuk. Since Datsuk and those are the players you want to build around. Datsuk wasn't point per game in his career, though. That and that's the thing that I try to make. Like he sure and Hughes might be, but I don't know. I really like Zegris. Downloaded NHL 23 yesterday. Played my first two games. It's nice seeing him go along with the the ride. Which that reminds me. While we're on the topic of the Ducks. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to Frankie's video game corner in the third period for those who are wondering. I heard you were in on me receiving NHL 23. Is that correct? That's correct. You did well, my son. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm you very like excited. It. Do you have it? Not yet. Are you going to get it for X-Bone or a different console? I'd like to get it for the Series X, but that's like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I'm going to look to get 24 on the Series X. But I'm back and forth between PS4 and Series X. PS5, you mean? Or PS5, yeah. I'm back and forth. I don't know what I want. Um, That's you. We'll we'll get that figured out. We'll have a larger conversation about that in Frankie's Video Game Corner third period. Make sure you stay tuned. Um, Frank, the Devils have won 10 straight and are one of the best teams in the NHL. How should I feel about it? Well, are you a little nervous that they play Toronto next in Toronto? Yeah. Gonna be, they're gonna lose here eventually. I hate to break your heart. No, really. But, but, you mean they're uh, not gonna go seventy nine and seventy nine and three? 
Because I thought, well, interest. All right, so the Devils have won ten straight, right? This is the fourth consecutive podcast that we have where we're not talking about a Devils loss. Isn't that insane? Wait, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I counted to make sure. Everyone else is a fucking loser, and I'm a winner. Fuck you all. <laughs> um, I just thought that was kind of funny, man. I you mean, know what he, time it is? Their last loss came on October twenty fourth. A six to three loss against the Capitals. Yep. And then after they got shelled in that game, something awoke in their mind. They turned it up. They freaking pumped the brakes and says, All right, we're gonna turn this around. And they did, and they've won 10 straight. And now it's been almost a month, almost a month to the day. We got another about eight days. So we'll see if they could do it. But me personally, and I think you might disagree slightly but you might understand where I'm coming from because you kind of mentioned it last week on who you thought is. I think Brett is the best player on this team right now. And I know last week you said Jack Hughes is because he is. I mean, I mean, he is, but I think what Brett is doing, he is a great playmaker and he has so much of great offensive awareness that he is a big reason as to why the devils are winning these games right now. Like he's not scoring as much as many goals as um, Hughes, which is fine. But what he's doing to feed players the puck, and that's why he has so many assists, he is like an offensive playmaker. And I think that is why the Devils continue to score as many goals as they do. I think he is the best player on this team right now, and he is like one of their biggest reasons for success. I it's not that I don't it's not that I think Jesper Bratt is their best player. I think he's their most he could be argued as like I'm not going to say the most important player. I think he sure is their best player. Let me just put that out there right now. He sure is Taves. And when Taves was in his prime, he was more important than Kane, even though Kane had more points. I believe that. The Hawks win zero cups without Taves. They might win a cup without one of their prolific wingers. Lots of teams can add wingers on the fly. Those centermen are what's most important in my opinion. And he sure is that. He's a point-per-game defensive-minded centerman. You don't get those very often. Bergeron, Taves, Crosby, Kopitar. Like, those are the defensive-minded point-per-game centermen that we've seen in the last decade. He sure is one of those. Jack Hughes is a lot like he's a better version of a David Krejci or an Evgeny Malkin, a point-per-game offensive-minded center. Don't care about defense. My wingers will take care of it for me, even though he's – one of the league leaders in takeaways so far this season. Um, Brat, to me, is like the cherry on top. Like, they drafted him in the sixth round. And if they were to redo that draft again, he'd go in the top ten. And I'm trying to think. uh, McAvoy would probably go two. Matthews would still go one. McAvoy would probably go two. Kachuk would probably go three. And then Brat might be like in that five to seven range. And it's just crazy to me that he's so good. I don't think he's going to lead the team. And here's the thing though every time Hughes gets a point, so does Brat because of the fact that they're on the same line now. And he sure plays on the team's best line two way wise, statistically. Like the advanced analytics say that he sure, Zetterland, and Tatar are the best line on the team. But we know that when it comes to scoring goals, Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt lead the way in that department. Even though the three of them, Bratt has 21 points. 
in 15 games, and Heesher and Hughes each have 18 points in 15 games, I believe is what it looks like right now. And unless it's – is it 17 and 15? I don't know. But the the point that is you're making here is nice to me because we can argue three different forwards as the best player on the team at any given time. I think that is what helps make them successful because there were times in the Hawks dynasty where Marion Hosa was their best player. Okay. Is Jesper Bratt their Marion Hosa? Uh, is yeah. uh, Marion Hosa a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Like, Jesper is Bratt is like the glue that holds this team together. I hate to say it. Like, I don't see the Devils losing like four games in a row. But if Brat got injured, I think they had they would have a chance to go on a slump like that. But like say Hughes got injured, I don't see them going on a slump like that. If he sure gets injured, I don't see them going on a slump like that. Wow. But I think if Brat goes down, it's like the glue is gonna slowly dissipate. Yeah, that's an interesting take. For for me, what he sure does defensively in addition to the offense is second to none. So, like, he's killing penalties, he's on the power play, he's developed his shot, his passing is incredible. I wish that goal didn't get disallowed for offsides an hour before again. It wasn't an hour before that one. That one I didn't hate as much. I hated why it was offsides more than it being offsides, if that makes sense. But I don't know. I just – I love what this team is doing. And another player that we haven't even slightly talked about is Dougie Hamilton. Mm-hmm who would probably win the Norris Trophy if the season ended today. He, he's like in that mix with Rasmus Dahlin and uh, Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson would probably win it, actually, if the season ended today. But he's going to get traded. So, I don't know. I, I love what the Devils are doing. Again, they've beaten Colorado. They've beaten Edmonton. They've beaten Calgary. They've beaten the Islanders. They've beaten Detroit. All of these teams are either in a playoff spot or only one point removed. And they've also killed the bad teams, Arizona, Montreal, who's in a playoff spot, oddly enough. Um, Columbus, there's one more bad team. I can't remember who it is. But still, they – oh, Vancouver. He has – or they have been really good, and they've beaten every type of team, every type of way. The Leafs are a big test. I mean, am I going to cry the river? The games they had this past week were a big test, but they they won. even against the bad teams, because every win makes the next one harder. I thought the Coyotes was their loss. I had to be honest. Really? Yeah, I thought they they're on a hot streak. If they're gonna lose to a team that they should easily beat, that was the letdown game. So now I don't know. I you want I Blackwood going on the IR? I think is a blessing in disguise. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't mean that in like any mean type of way, but statistically he has been, huh? He's been winning though. He has been winning. He's four and two. But statistically, he's been their worst goalie this season yes. by a mile. By a yeah. mile. Well, Vitek Vanacek is like Vitek Vanacek seven and one with the two seventeen goals against. Yes. Blackwood's got a two seventy nine goals against. Even Schmid, that guy Schmid they brought in. Yeah. Undefeated he with. He's undefeated with an under two goals against. I I don't I don't know. I I've never been a fan of Blackwood. I think you get him out of here. And you trade him, get some value out of him. You don't need him. You've proven you don't need him. Yeah, it's true. They listen. They're not as good as Colorado was last year yet, but they won with Kemper, just playing like good, like solid goaltending. They didn't have the lights out play of Grubauer from the year prior, 
and they won the cup. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, this team is so fast and so skilled and so good that they can win with like slightly above average goaltending. Vitek Vanacek has given that to them. And listen, it's going to end eventually. I'm going to the Devils game on December 9th against the New York Islanders when they will wear the first time ever their reverse retros that came out today. So all this time waiting to go to a Devils game through the years, and I still won't see a red jersey in person. But um, it's it's kind of funny, isn't it? But I, I'll see the Islanders home jersey because they'll probably wear their blues while the Devils wear the whites, which will be really cool to see. But I like this team. I like what I'm seeing so far. And having Brat, Heischer, Hughes, all three of them are incredibly important. Hughes actually leads the team in scoring on the 10-game winning streak, which is nice. Um, I'm try- There was one other nugget about the 10. 10- oh, they've only had like seven or eight bad periods all season long. And it was the first six in the first two games that they lost. They started the season 0-2-0, which is odd to think about. Their first period against the Ducks in game three, and they were losing 2-0 and about to be 0-3. And then they came back in that game and have only lost once since. And that second period against Washington, when they gave five goals to Washington in that one period, and then they dominated the third, came up two, three goals short, and then haven't lost since. It's been an incredible run. I love what I'm seeing so far. Are they peaking too early? Probably. They're a young team. They're a very skilled and fast team. But I do believe they will make it to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. If they go 500 points-wise, so like 32, 31, and 5 the rest of the way, they're at 90-something, 98 points. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs. And so I don't think they're going to go 500. I think they'll be better than 500 probably. And it's just – it's fun. <laughs> I've missed this for sure. So – Go Devils. Hopefully they keep the the winning streak going for as long as they can. Got the Maple Leafs tomorrow at the Scotiabank Arena where the Toronto Maple Leafs play their games. The Leafs are very injured on the back end. Muzzin's out. Um, Who's the other big one I'm forgetting that's out? There's another big one that's out. And so it's basically down to like Riley Lilligren and a bunch of guys that they called up from the Marlies. Of course, they have Austin Matthews who is starting to really pick it up now. Um, he's got seven goals, which don't count. He only had like one goal in his first nine games last year and he ended up scoring 60. So don't count out the big dog to come out and end up maybe even leading the league in goals. And wouldn't shock me if he gets one tomorrow. Nylander, Marner, Tavares scored his 400th yesterday, which we will get to in a minute, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's uh they've been a fun team to watch VP. You know who else has been a fun team to watch? The Florida Panthers have been really good in the last two weeks or so. Me and you were both heeing and hawing about them. I believe we both had them in the playoffs. I don't. I wasn't heeing and hawing. I said I think they'd win the division. <laughs> oh, I think I was heeing and hawing about them. Yeah. but I had them in as like the eighth seed. I, I had them in for sure. I don't remember if I had them winning or not. I don't. I don't know. You had them in the postseason, though. So we both had Absolutely. them in the postseason. We had varying opinions on how well they would do this season. They started off the season slow. There's no doubt they kind of looked like that Heen and Han team that I thought they'd be. But lately, they've been awesome. Spencer Knight and Sergei Bobrovsky have been one of the best 
goaltending duos in the league. They pay Bob all this money. I don't know what's going to happen when Spencer Knight's time to get paid comes up. If they'll have some sort of gentleman's agreement, like, hey, we're going to pay you a bridge deal right now. And then when Bob is out of here, we will give you a $10 million contract. I mean, I would sign up for that if I was Spencer Knight, to be honest with you, because this Florida team is very good. And they owned the trade up to this point. I wanted the Hawks to get Spencer Knight. I was hoping they'd like trade some of their assets away Me to get too. Spencer Knight. Me too. And I thought they would go for Akira Askarov, the goalie that the Predators ended up drafting a year later in the first round. But I'm with you. Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight was on that amazing USA National Development Program team in 2018-19. Spencer Knight, Zegris, Cole Caulfield, Matt Boldy, Jack Hughes. Um, there's a couple other ones I'm missing, but it was an awesome, awesome, awesome team. And Spencer Knight, he's been hot. So what's your take on the Panthers? Well, I think the reason they started off to such a bad start and something that needs to change is their power play and their penalty kill. So both their special teams units have been horrific this season. Their power play percentage is 14.8%. That's terrible. And their penalty kill is 75.4%, which is terrible. That's been like their biggest flaw this season so far and a big reason as to why they're losing. I mean, I don't know how well they've been doing in those in their special teams aspects lately, but I know they're four and two in their last six games. So they've definitely gotten off to a better start. Um, they're nine and six, nine, six and one overall third in the Atlantic. I do think that they are the type of team to continue this kind of steady pace waltz into the postseason and maybe do some damage. We'll see. Uh, I thought they'd do some damage last year when they won the president's trophy, but nonetheless, they didn't. So maybe not. Maybe they're just one of those teams that have our regular season success, but can't get it done in the postseason. But uh, I do think this team is a little underrated right now, just because of the slow start they got off to. I agree with you. They did win a round last year, but they struggled against Washington. It was a lot harder of a series than we thought it was going to be for them. Yeah. Um, they are currently 27th in the league with a 16.1 power play percentage. Oh, it went, down. Oh, it went up a little bit. It went up a little bit, but that's still brutal. And amongst them are a bunch of bad teams, except for Carolina. Carolina's power play is bad, too. They're tied with them at 27th, 16.1. But they're surrounded by teams that have been struggling. Columbus, uh, Anaheim, Nashville, uh, Montreal, Carol, uh, Philly, Pittsburgh. So can you think of why? their power play. And I just got done saying something that kind of would contradict this, but can you think of why their power play might be struggling a little bit? Because they got rid of Huberto. Huberto is an incredible passer. And that is, that's the key to power plays is making smart decisions with your passes when to shoot. Cause if you don't shoot at the right time, it'll get cleared to the other end of the ice. Then you got to regain the zone and set up. It's very difficult without a facilitator, and Huberdeau is one of the best facilitators in the NHL. Now, yeah. Matthew Kachuk has been unbelievable with the Florida Panthers so far, and Huberdeau's been pretty poopy with Calgary. And do I think – I think Florida won the trade I always have, but I think Calgary won in the fact of it's better than nothing. They were losing Goudreau and Kachuk no matter what. They got Huberdeau and Kadri out of it and Uyghur. And I think that's very, very smart. And so I, I don't think 
I think Florida won the trade, but I don't think Calgary lost it. Does uh, that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I can see what you mean. So I'm I'm into the Panthers again. They've been really good so far. And Barkov, I think that's the biggest key too, is Barkov had a slow start. He's been on fire lately, and he's good at the penalty kill, the power play. Um, five on five. Matthew Kuchuk went on Spit and Chicklets a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how skilled Barkov is like during practice and stuff, and it just shows during the game. You can make a claim he's the most underrated player in the NHL right now with how good he is compared sure. to the recognition that he deserves. If I ask someone to name the 10 best players in the NHL, few people are going to say Barkov. I would, but I don't know. I think Florida's really good. I just think they have a lot of – I think they're good too, but they haven't been getting a lot of credit because of that slow start. Yes. So and a lot of the public is like, oh, they're not that good because of how slow they started. But that's not the case. They're still pretty good. They'll make the playoffs. Yes. And most of the Atlantic outside of Boston and Toronto and Tampa Bay, eh, I, I, I completely rescind what I just said. That's not true. <laughs> I was going to say most of the Atlantic has been shaky anyway. And so that, that's, but that's just not true. Outside of Ottawa, every team in the Atlantic is pretty good. Buffalo's on a little bit of a slide, but they're still got a positive goal differential, unlike every other team not in a playoff spot. And they're they're losing games in ways that suggest they might start winning some games. So I'm actually kind of high on Buffalo. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I think next year we'll be looking at them the way that we look at the Devils right now. Like bu- yeah. Buffalo's growing something like nice here. Um but the Atlantic is much better than people give it credit for. I was just about to poop on it. I'm wrong. A lot of these teams got off to slow starts. Toronto, Florida, Tampa Bay all got off to slow starts. Absolutely. Now they're all hot. Detroit falling off a little bit, but they're still 7-5-4 and four when they were 7-3-0. and oh. So, you know, a little bit of a slump there with Detroit, but they'll be in the mix all season long, and then eventually I think they'll tail off. But, yeah, Florida's right there in the Atlantic division. I agree. And speaking of the Atlantic Division, I just touched on them a little bit. The Toronto Maple Leafs, New Jersey's next opponent. John Tavares scored his 400th career goal. What do you make of John Tavares's career so far? And what do you make of him getting up to 400 career goals? I think John Tavares is a Hall of Famer. You're going to disagree, maybe? I don't know if I disagree. I, I would have to think maybe about it. Maybe, I said. But the fact that this man, and I think this you have to take into consideration this, right? Um. Yeah. Uh, does he have enough enough hardware to be considered a Hall of Famer? Probably not. Right. He needs a little bit more hardware on his resume. I think so. However, he is almost points per game in his career. In almost one thousand NHL games. Do you know how hard that is to do? Some great players don't get point per game in their career. That is very hard to do, playing for this long of a period of time, and you netted 400 goals. And he's on pace this year to have his best year yet, by far. I believe his best year was 82 points in a season. He's on pace to beat that right now, slightly, a little over 82. And I think that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs need right now. They need a guy like Tavares. Because if Taver- if John Tavares was performing like he was last year, who knows where what Toronto would have done? Do they beat Tampa in the first round? I don't know. 
But the way he's performing right now, if he could stay consistent and finish point per game this year, I think that's what the Maple Leafs need. And I, I would have potentially, it is up for discussion. It's a good debate. But maybe as of right now, you could consider him a Hall of Famer. It's going to be close. It's going to be very close. And I think there's good debate for it, for sure. If he gets in, there are going to be people pissed that he's in and other people aren't because there are players with similar numbers who aren't like if John Tavares gets into the Hall of Fame then we got to start talking about somebody like Patrick Elias making the Hall of Fame or Jeremy Roenick or Patrick Marlowe these guys are all borderline Hall of Famers um Roenick never won a cup but he probably has another piece of hardware somewhere but I also um, think that his leadership too is something that they could take into consideration as well. Because John Tavares is a great leader. There's no doubt about it. He has 913 points in 966 games. He yeah. came in third place for the Hart Trophy twice. He has received Hart Trophy votes in one, two, three, four, five, five seasons. He's received Selkie votes in one, two, three four, five, you. six seasons. It's, um, it's close, and I think that's enough, honestly. I really do. Yeah, he's been an all-star one time. If he gets a cup, and let's say he's the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and he reaches 1,000 points, or if he reaches like 1,200 points, then I think it's possible. He's he's going to reach 1,000 points at 33 years old because I don't think he's going to quite get there this year. this year, no. But I do think he will get there next year, about around Christmas time, would be my guess. And it'll be in about 1,100 games. So it's close. It's close. It is. I close. would give him the edge. Very close. Yeah, it, it's going to depend. I mean, he went first overall in his draft. Drew Doughty went second. Doughty's a lock. He could retire tomorrow and be in the Hall of Fame. Tavares has a little bit of work to do to get it, I would say. If he retired today, he would not be on my ballot. But I believe at 32 years old, there's plenty of room to get there. I'm rooting for it because I love Johnny T. So do I. He's been a great player for a long time, and the Leafs are hot right now. What do you make of them? Well, like I said, I think you need a guy like this to be hot right now, and that helps the Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole. Um I'm not surprised they're hot. We see this every year out of them. Talk to me in October. October? Or uh, t- April. I'm, th- I'm thinking baseball. This April, May, year. June. We'll, we'll see. This is the Leafs year. You say that every year. Yeah, but this one is it. Yeah, it's always it, right? And then... You'll say it next Listen, year. I'm not talking high on the Leafs right now. F the Leafs because... They're the devil's next opponent, but this is the least here. Um, they You're need help on defense. Here. They need they need help on defense. I think they All need these guys in different areas. Except they're, getting hurt. they're getting hurt. Go trade for Eric Carlson. Give up whatever you have to. They need help on defense. I think they could upgrade their goalies. We thought that last year. Yo, no, I think they could upgrade their goalies. So, I'm trying to think of who would be available though. Would the Wild trade Mark Andre Fleury if they're out of a playoff spot in February? Maybe. He's got a year and a half left on his deal at that point. 
Um, would the Kraken trade Martin Jones if Philip Grubauer comes back? Maybe. Or would they trade Philip Grubauer and keep Martin Jones because he's been so hot? Um, I'm trying to think of other teams with available goalies. Would the Devils trade Blackwood if they see that Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmid are their one-two? Um, would Chicago trade Mrazek back to the Leafs? Could um, be, but I don't, I, that wouldn't be really an upgrade. No. I mean, he's had some okay moments with the Hawks so far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there, what I'm saying, like, there are guys out there that the Leafs can look at, like, they probably wouldn't trade for Bob because even if they retained 50% Florida, you're not adding a $5 million goalie, I wouldn't think, if you're the Leafs, who pay a lot of money. In my opinion, you got to go after a guy like Bob Fleury. Uh, hmm, who else could be a good candidate? Um, I'd say Talbot, but he's not leaving Ottawa after being traded there this year. No. Um, um, what about... I wonder if Detroit would make Nadelkovich available. No, or, I, you know, Uso? I think Nadelkovich is overrated. Oh, I mean, you don't want a guy, in my opinion, like Blackwood or Nadelkovich or uh, Mrazek. You want a guy like Bobrovsky. If they're trying to make that push, and you're you're in the postseason, you want a guy like Bob Flurry. I can't think of anybody else. But what about Kemper? I take Kemper. You like I like Kemper. I'd yeah. see Kemper in that same vein as Blackwood and no, I, I I, there's just something about Blackwood. I don't know. It's just he hates Blackwood. I, don't I know do. Him. It's not that I hate him. I just don't think he's. I think he's a little bit overrated. I do. Yeah, he's been winning the season. So what? When the when he comes back now, you got to start Blackwood and like why? I hate no, that. no. It's gonna no. Absolutely. It's gonna happen. It'll happen. Uh-uh. No shot. It's going down for sure. Oh yeah. But not over Vitek Vanacek. It's like it's kind of like with the Commanders, right? Like Carson Wentz is going to be healthy, and you're going to take out Heineke. Why? No Why? shot. Absolutely they were talking not. about it. Absolutely not. They were talking about. I it. promise you that that's not going to happen. It's going to happen, and I hate when teams do that. It's Why? Because he's happen. the starter. He's the guy with the big name, and it's similar to Blackwood. Why do you have to start Blackwood just because he's? been a long tenured with the devils like i hate stuff like that if go with the hot hand if carson i would riot if carson wentz makes a single start i'm telling you then before taylor heineke loses the job like by throwing five interceptions in one game or something i'm not saying that can't happen and they put carson wentz back in for that reason but if he comes back from injury and starts right away no reason I'll buy a commander shirt and wear it on this show. There like, is no shot. They were mentioning no after shot. Monday Night Football. They were I mentioning it care. during the game. I don't care. They will not. They, they exactly, like looked, Wentz is ready to be healthy, and that's just idiotic. They might make the playoffs because they won three straight with Heineke. And I don't want the Devils to make that same mistake. You don't start Blackwood just because he's back and you know he's a familiar face in the locker room. You go with the hot hand, and I, I don't like that. And Blackwood I, Blackwood's not the guy for the Devils though. They were rotating every other game. They like he wasn't getting a bulk of the starts. See the problem with Blackwood, I think he'd have even a bigger problem on Toronto because of their defense. He would be maybe. getting peppered. He would be getting peppered. And, yeah, and they can't no afford that right now. They need no. a guy who could get peppered and still make plays like Flurry 
Bob Kemper. I understand what you're saying. My main disagreement here is that Wentz would start for the Commanders. Well, no we'll see. Shot. I wouldn't be no shocked shot. if he's healthy this week and Wentz starts. Because Wentz wasn't a bad quarterback when he left. He wasn't terrible. He was brutal. He wasn't. He was able to make the plays, though. They weren't winning. That needed to be made. But they win with Heineke. They almost beat I know. Tom Brady well, I don't disagree playoffs. with you. They almost beat Tom Brady in the playoffs in 2020. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. As if I was the coach, yeah, I'd put in Heineke. The year, the year the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, the closest they came to losing wasn't against the Chiefs. Listen, wasn't against Green Bay. It was against fucking the Washington football team. I'm telling you what I would do. Eugene's going to have other things on his mind. Eugene. That's his name. Did you know that? Taylor Heineke? No, Ron Rivera. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. His middle name, I think, is Eugene. So that's what I call him now. Yeah. Eugene's got other things on his mind. So. Eugene's an idiot if he puts in Carson Wentz again. I that cannot wait. There's I'll a reason. Say, get out the iPhone, the text Vinny. I'll say, VP, look at your screen. No. Fucking Carson Wentz goes down. Nick Foles comes in. They beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. They decide to get rid of Nick Foles for whatever reason. T- Carson Wentz comes back. The Eagles start to stink again. They ship him out of town. He ends up in Indianapolis. They have one of the most colossal collapses in the history of the National Football League last year, and they allow Jacksonville to beat them in Week 18 so the Steelers yeah. can make it by tying. And this they, oh, that dude stinks. This is what bad teams do. They make poor decisions. Okay, well, the Devils aren't a bad team making poor decisions. This wasn't about the Devils. This was about Toronto making a bad decision if oh. they decided to get Blackwood. That That's how this all sparked. No, I'm I, not, I, I will be in riot if Blackwood starts over Vanacek. He's not going to. Not Good. regularly. Good. He'll play. I would be, I'd be, well, yeah, you got to play. Blackwood's Nobody better than games. Huh? I'll, I'll argue with you on that. He's better than Schmid. He's not what I've seen from Schmid so far. Um, he came in relief when Vanacek got hit, and that allowed um, who'd they play on Thursday? It was it was Ottawa, right? On Thursday of last week, when Schmid came in in relief because Vanacek took a bump to the head, the concussion spotter pulled him out of the game. They tied it, and then they scored two goals, the Devils, and they won the game four to two. So. Schmid got his first career NHL win that day. And then on Saturday, he started against the Coyotes. They shelled them. And then Vanacek was back from concussion protocol on yesterday, on Tuesday. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what the Leafs do. My main takeaway from this conversation about the Leafs is that Vanacek is going to continue starting for the Devils and that Taylor (laughs) Heineke is going to stay under quarterback for the football team. We'll see. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> you know, we can revisit the conversation about the football team in the third period when we talk yeah. NFL. But For right sure. now, we touched on it a little bit. San Jose GM comes out, says they're open to trading Eric Carlson. The tricky part about that is EK65. Mediocre last couple years. Certainly wasn't bad. NHL caliber player never questioned that he shouldn't be on a team anymore. He was a good player. Yeah. Good players don't make $11 million. Elite players do. That was a problem. This year he's been elite. 
Is it because he's finally healthy for the first time since the first year he was with the Sharks? That very well could be the case. When Eric Carlson's healthy, he plays like an $11 million player because he's Eric fucking Carlson. He's hard to trade because of the fact that he's kind of on a bounce back season. How long can it continue is probably what's on a lot of teams' mind. How much are the Sharks willing to retain of $11 million? You only are allowed to retain up to 50% according to the National Hockey League's collective bargaining agreement, which I believe 50% of $11 million is $5.5 Is it 11 and a half? Then, it, then you can only retain like 5.75 of his contract, which is a lot to retain for the Sharks. It's also a lot. Five and a half is a lot to take on at a deadline. You don't see many five and a half million dollar players moved at the deadline. It's very rare unless they're on an expiring contract. Eric Carlson, like Giroux was moved last year. That's a expensive, but Mm -hmm. the Panthers weren't tied into it long-term. It was a rental. Eric Carlson will be anything but a rental for any team that gets him and has to pay him. And the Sharks will probably have to give up draft capital in order for a team to take him, even though he's a point per game defenseman right now. Do you think Eric Carlson will get traded this season? I do not. You know, ultimately it's up to Carlson's decision. He has a no trade clause and the GM, Mike Greer, um, or Mike Greer, Mike I don't Greer. know how to pronounce Greer. Uh, he said it's, it, he made that very clear that it's up to Carlson because of his no trade clause and trying to get rid of an $11.5 million contract is not the easiest thing to do especially because of the performance he had the past couple of years. I mean, yeah, this year he is having a career year. I mean, this man has 24 points in 18 games, which is just unreal to think from about. From the blue line. From the blue line. From, especially, it's just crazy to think about because of what we've seen from him as of late. Um, not talking about this year. But if you think about it, the Sharks got nothing to lose if they get rid of him. They're not going anywhere this year. They don't need him. They're in the Bedard sweepstakes. I think they're the worst off team in the NHL. Exactly. So they got nothing to lose here. So I don't blame him saying that. He's actually um, come out also and said that he's willing to listen to all offers for any player on the team except for Thomas Hurdle. Yeah, I hate that too for the Sharks. I mean, I hate that for the Sharks. So I'm not shocked. But I don't think he's going anywhere this year because he's happy in San Jose from what I've heard. His family is happy here. And if it is up to his decision, I don't see him saying, yeah, yeah, I want to get out of there this year. I don't think that's going to – the only way I could potentially see something is if, you know, I don't know who, but if a team would offer to take that contract off their hands and give them some pretty good value in return – then the GM might go up to him and say, hey, would you be willing to be moved here for us for this and this and this? And maybe he would do that. But to answer your question in a long-winded answer, no, I don't think he's going anywhere this year. If I were the Sharks, I would trade everyone, including Hurdle. I believe in rebuilding the right way. I'm a little shocked at why they don't want to get rid of Hurdle. Well, I get it, but I get it. He's a good player, but he's not going to be in his prime. He's not going to be in his prime when they're good again. No. And I'm looking at the teams around the Sharks in the standings, right? They are not the worst team in the league, but they are the worst off team in the league. Buffalo, all the teams below them, Buffalo. They have Tage Thompson, who might win the Rocket Richard, and Owen Power, and Dylan Cousins, and Rasmus Dahlin. All these awesome players to build around. Arizona, getting a new building. 
The vibes are good. Clayton Keller is very young. They have some very awesome prospects in the pipeline. They have Logan Cooley, who's outstanding for Wisconsin right now. Absolutely unbelievable. Vancouver. We'll get to them in a minute. But there's something else I want to say too when you're done. uh, Yeah, that's fine. They have Quinton Hughes and Peterson, and, you know, Bo Horvat is second in the league in goals. He could win the Rocket Richard. Vancouver has something to build on. St. Louis, I don't think they're as bad as the standing suggests they are. I don't know if they're a playoff team. Maybe not, but I do think a run from St. Louis is coming soon, and they'll at least become a respectable team again. I, uh, what? Well, I don't want to interrupt you. Really quick, Ottawa. We know why Ottawa's got such a bright future. I mean, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris, Giroux. Um, I feel like I'm – oh, Stutzla. Okay, they, uh, the defenseman, Jake Sanderson, he's amazing. They have a lot of great pieces to be very, very excited about. The Brinkat for a long – probably he's probably going to sign long-term, I would think. Columbus, Kent Johnson, um, Goudreau. I'm forgetting a big one. There's a big prospect I'm forgetting. They have a good foundation that they're building. And we, Anaheim, 32nd in the league. We know about Zegris and McTavish and Drysdale, and they're probably going to have a top five pick. They'll be in the Bedard sweepstakes once again. Maybe they'll get Fantilli or Mitchkov or something along the lines of that. They have a bright future too. San Jose, I can't even think of a single prospect of theirs that I'm like uber, uber, uber excited about one day. I just can't even think of one. Like even Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's right above them, tied with them in points. They still have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang for three years. You could find a way to go on a run with those guys. Um, I'm just not high on the Sharks. And if for that reason, if Carlson is presented with something where he could go to a winning team, I do think he would say yes. The reason I don't think he's going to be traded is because it is going to be hard to trade that contract. It's going to be very hard to trade that contract. And I think I made a mistake earlier when I said John Tavares' best season was 82 points. I was thinking of um, Carlson's best season was 82 points. With the, oh yeah, so I messed that up. I meant because I knew there was something I wanted to talk about with 82 points. William Carlson or William Eric Carlson's best season was 82 points with Ottawa in 2015-16, and he's on pace to shatter that this year, um, which is good trade value. But moving a contract of 11 and a half million is not easy to do, and not what a lot of teams want on their roster. I completely agree, and that's going to be very hard. Uh, the only team I could see taking a risk like that, Edmonton, because they have to do everything. It's tough. To, it's still it tough. Is tough. They have to do everything they can to make the playoffs this year and let McDavid and will do their thing because McDavid's going to want out of there if they miss the playoffs, I think. Like, it's it's it was an ugly situation early last season, too, with Edmonton, and they ended up in the conference finals. You might remember they were, like, seven points out of a playoff spot on Christmas. Like – they really came back strong. So I'm not counting Edmonton out at all, but I could see them making like a home run type of play to try and keep McJesus happy. Um, But yeah, we'll see what happens with the Sharks. One thing I wanted to add on to the um, Tavares thing, there was also the year where he had 86 points and he would have won the Art Ross Trophy because when there's a tie for the Art Ross Trophy, the tiebreaker is goals. And he had the most goals out of Sidney Crosby, Jamie Benn, and himself. They were all tied at 86 points. And then Jamie Benn got a secondary assist 
on a goal scored with less than 10 seconds left in game number 82, and that kept Tavares from having an Art Ross on his resume. And that would have helped George Hall of Fame. Without question. But I still think that you take that into consideration. Maybe you do. Maybe, you know, I don't know how the, don't forget the voters are like crusty a-holes that like are angry all the time. Like sometimes you got to put yourself in their shoes when thinking about whether or not they're going to be a hall of famer. Like, I don't know. Well, we'll it, I also think the upcoming classes will influence whether or not Tavares makes it. If Patrick Eliash makes it, then I would say Tavares is a lock because Eliash had over a thousand points, two cups, was always top five in Hart Trophy voting and was always top five in Selkie Trophy voting. But, you know, Tavares, I don't know if Tavares will be a first ballot, though. He's certainly oh, I, no, I don't think so. probably go against that. But mm-hmm. I, I like having the great players in. He's got a long way to go. But the last thing I wanted to wrap up period number one on, do the Penguins suck? You know, it's very interesting because I kind of see a trend and not a very good one for them. They're, it's hard to say when you have a team like the Penguins to say they suck. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that. But you know what I'm seeing from the Penguins? Something eerily similar to what the Chicago Blackhawks went through in their organization. When all of a sudden, you know, after they got swept by the Predators in the playoffs, that was it. That was the last sniff I got of success in Chicago. And I see something eerily similar going on in Pittsburgh. Like, is this the end of that era? Is this the end of the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era? I mean, you saw it with Chicago. It was time to break things up, and we thought it was going to happen this year, and it didn't. I think um, another big reason that they've been slumping is Brian Dumoulin is not the same guy he used to be. And he was a huge he, – he, he factored in hugely into their success. And now I think he's one of their biggest problems, honestly on their team. He's just, he's not as strong. He's not as fast as he used to be. And that hurts the defense bad. And I think you can agree with me that the NHL is evolving massively to a game that's catered more to speed where back in the day, speed might not have been all that important, but nowadays when you got guys on the ice, like McCarr, McDavid, look at all some of the best teams in the league right now are newer teams. Colorado, the New Jersey Devils, um, Toronto, Vegas. Vegas, Carolina. Look at some of the, the teams in the league who aren't as good right now. The Blackhawks, the Penguins this year, the Washington Capitals this year. Teams who used to be great but really haven't jumped and evolved into the faster, younger style of play. And I think that's hurting him. Sullivan's a great coach, one of the greatest coaches in the NHL. However, you need to evolve with the time. You need to kind of cater to the new way of hockey. And it seems like he is just so hard up on Malkin, Latang, and Crosby. Keeping the core, it's like you're doing the same things because it worked in 2016. It worked in 2017. You're doing those same things. You got to switch it up once in a while. He's got the brain to do it. And what I'm seeing right now is just eerily similar to what I saw with the Chicago Blackhawks. You have that bad year. Next year, what happens? Are you going to be even worse? Is it time to start trading away some pieces? I don't know. They are bad right now, though. They are. And Crosby, Malkin, and Latang aren't the problem. They're scoring. They're getting their assists. Right, exactly. It's the rest of the team. And 
it's not a fast team, and they're kind of like the Sharks. And they're only Char- kind the, of. The, yeah, the Sharks don't have Crosby, Malcolm, Latang, so I would put the Sharks slightly worse off. But the Penguins are getting close. Their prospect farm is doo-doo. And until they decide to rebuild, it's going to remain to be doo-doo. They gave up a lot of first-round picks to acquire Phil Kessel and Carl Hagelin and even Nick Benino. Not They didn't give up first for all these guys, but – you know, they, they gave stuff up in order to get them. They, you know, Matt Murray ended up away from the team and they ended up going with Jari and DeSmith anyway. And Marc-Andre Fleury left in the expansion draft. And we saw guys get old, like Kunitz, you know, losing Kunitz. N- nobody nobody uh, really puts much stock in that. Like they were able to replace Pascal Dupuis with Kunitz. You know how they got Kunitz? Uh... I don't remember. The Pittsburgh Penguins got Christopher Kunitz in a trade with the Anaheim Ducks for Wyron Whitney. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is. Wyron Whitney, former fifth overall pick, stud defenseman, goes to wow. Anaheim for some guy named Chris Kunitz who ended up becoming a very, very good player. And Whitney. Like the graphic on the TV, the picture was Ryan Whitney. Kunitz was like the little name at the bottom. And Kunitz, he fit in with Crosby well. Um, Jake Gensel's a great player. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Brian Rust is a great player. Brian Rust is a great player. And I like Zucker. Zucker's fast. Uh, He doesn't score as much as he did with the Wild, which is kind of annoying. But I do think they'll figure it out and be in the mix. I, I don't know. I was. I was on that train. And now the wheels are slowly falling off for me because of what I, I've seen this before with the Blackhawks. Yeah. They couldn't win with Kane, Taves, and Keith. There's fight with them, though. They there were down 3 nothing to Toronto yesterday, came all the way back 3 2. I and understand. Then... However, they also have like mind over matter with how many leads they've blown this year. Yes. So bad. It's good to come back down 3 0, but when you blow 10 leads, yeah. And three of them are consecutive in back-to-back-to-back games. That Now you're not only playing against the opposition, you're playing against yourself. It's a mind game. Absolutely. Frank, that was some great hockey discussion yeah. in period number one. Pittsburgh Penguins, um, they stink. I think we both kind of see that in that way right now. I think both of us would, wouldn't be surprised if they – Kind of figured it out a little bit, but also weren't banking on it, I guess is a great way to put it. Um, Wait, what? I said bo- with the Penguins, both of us wouldn't be surprised necessarily. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Like went on a run and got into the playoffs and whatnot, but also like aren't banking on it. They have the team that if they got into the playoffs, they can make a run for the cup. However, it's to get there. And I don't see them necessarily getting there. And I don't necessarily see them winning the cup if they got into the playoffs. But they do have that team to do so. And they have the coaching staff to do so. So I'm not banking on it by any means. At the beginning of the season, I had the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. But from what I've seen and kind of what I expected out of the Capitals, I didn't think the Capitals, I didn't have the Capitals in this year. I'm kind of now lumping them in with the Capitals too. And I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I'm with you. So we're going to play a game, and we are going to play the game in period number two. 
Welcome to period two. If you are in the chat right now, I would love to see you throw your opinions to each question that I am about to ask Frankie Mueller in a segment we are going to call very original buy or sell. Lots of people play buy or sell. I've heard it on the radio. I've They've played it on NHL Network Radio. They've played it on Spitting Chicklets. They've played it on Pardon the Interruption. They've played it on Around the Horn. Everyone likes to play buy or sell. We are going to do the Frankie Mueller, Vinnie Parisi version of it. Respond in the comments with your answer if you have one. Frank, I'm going to present you with a buy or sell. You are going to tell me whether or not you are buying the prompt or selling the prompt. And then after you give your explanation, I'll say whether or not I agree or disagree. I won't elaborate on every single one, but I'll say whether or not I agree or disagree. I think we'll add for some interesting debate and feel free to debate me on any of these. You know, it's not like I'm going to try and run through them quickly or anything like that. So ready? I'm ready. Frank, buy or sell? The New Jersey Devils will win a playoff round in 2023. They have a 91% chance of making it to the postseason, according to MoneyPuck.com. It's a tough one. They're all tough. I'm torn because the Devils are going to make the playoffs. That's a guarantee. They're very skillful, and what I've seen, everything points that they will win a round. However, I'm going to go with they are not going to win a round just because I think this team is young. And we said last week how you need some heartbreak and you need some disappointment to enjoy further success down the line. And I think as much as it pains me to say it for your sake, I think getting to the postseason and losing is kind of a good thing in a way because – that's only going to fire them up to maybe make a couple of runs for the cup down the line in the future. We've seen it with all the great teams in the NHL. We've seen it with Tampa, Chicago, Pittsburgh, the Kings. You you see these, these heartbreaks, but it ends up paying off in the end. And as, as easy as it would be to say that, yes, the New Jersey Devils are playing fantastic right now. I could see them winning a round or two. I'm going to have to say I don't see them winning a round or two because most likely they will be matched up against somebody who is probably better suited for the postseason as of right now. So I'm going to say I cannot see them winning a playoff series this year. So the correct terminology for this game is Frankie is selling. I am selling. I am also going to sell. As of right now, I have seen enough to know that they are a very good team with a very bright future. Um, I believe they will win a cup with Esher Hughes. I agree. Their one-two punch. Like I do think they are that good. I could see them winning a cup with this core. Um, I'm selling them winning around as of right now. Out of every one of these prompts that I wrote today, this is the one that I reserve the right to change my opinion the most on. Obviously, I'm a fan of the team. I look at things a little bit differently than everybody else. But as of right now, with their three leading scorers all being under 25 and most of the team being young and inexperienced. It's all signs point to them making the playoffs and looking like this hot, fun team. And then they play a team like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Boston Bruins in the first round. And who in their right mind would pick the young, youthful team that doesn't even know how to play a single playoff minute? You know, would could I see them surprising everyone? If Jack Hughes and yeah, Hesher, they absolutely could. Right. But as of right now, here in November, I am also selling it. And, it, and, you know, it helps. Like I said, it helps them in a way. It is good experience for this young team. 
that's good for their brains. Absolutely. Frank, three teams that were expected to be good this season, the Nashville Predators, the St. Louis Blues, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are all well below the playoff line. A little bit surprising for all three of them. Do one of those three make it to the postseason, buy or sell? If I say yes, I'm buying. Yes. I am buying. I do think the National Predators have what it takes to turn things around here. It's very weird to me to see Soros performing at a not-so-Vezina level. I'm a little disappointed. I took a gamble on him in fantasy hockey, and he's kicking me in the ass right now. He's bending me over hard, and I and I don't like it. And I could see this team has the capabilities to potentially, you know, I kind of agreed with you. I, I changed my tune early on in the, the offseason. I wasn't with you, and then I'm like, well, maybe they will finish second in the Central Division. And it's easy to say that they're not right now, but I think that they are going to have that little push. Hockey's a long season. We've seen what happens after the uh, uh, halfway point of the season, what goes on, what happens after Christmas. Teams play differently. And I think that the Nashville Predators have what it takes. On the flip side, I I always forget if I had the Blues in or not. I either had I th- I don't think I had the Blues in the playoffs. So I'm going to still stake they're not going to make the playoffs because why the way they're playing right now, nothing is – going to make me change my opinion on them and I didn't have the Columbus Blue Jackets making the playoffs either and nothing's going to make the way they're playing right now nothing's going to make me change my opinion on them either but I am buying because I could see them there being some you know positive regression or whatever you want to call it in terms of the Predators making a push and potentially sneaking into the playoffs I am also buying I think there's a chance that one of the Predators or the Blues go on a nice run and make it into the playoffs. If not both, the Western Conference is nowhere near a powerhouse at this point right now. The East, in my opinion, is a tad bit better at the top. And I believe that the Predators and the Blues could have a chance. The Blue Jackets, I came into this season, they were my team. Them and the Devils and the Metro were my team that could surprise. You might remember we had that little Mm -hmm. segment. And with Goudreau and joining the team and it being a relatively respectable team for the last five or six years, even the years they didn't make the playoffs, they were close. They're a well-run organization, but so far this year they have stunk. Zach Wierenski is now out for the season, which is a huge blow to their roster. Any team would take a hit if that happened to them. I'm out on the blue jackets this year. If I were them, I would purposely tank for Bedard and sell off every expiring contract on the roster right now, bring up all the kids, play Kent Johnson in every single game, which he has not been doing. Um, Let them grow and see what happens. But for the Blues and the Predators being in this mix, as a result, I am buying. That does not mean all three of them will make it to the postseason, but I could see it happening, so I am going to buy. We're two for two. Frank, one of the other teams that have been amongst the most disappointing this season, that a lot of people saw them as a potential bubble team in the Pacific Division, is the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. Vancouver's been one of the most disappointing teams in the season so far. There have been a lot of rumblings around the NHL about their GM threatening to trade any big contract on the team. I will ask you this question, buy or sell, Bruce Boudreaux will be the first NHL coach fired this season. Oh, this is this is probably the hardest question you've asked me, I think. They're all kind of hard. Well, the 
the Devils one was kind of hard, but this one I think tops it. Um, because it literally could be anybody. You know how hard it is to predict who's going to get fired. When you think it's going to be somebody, then it's just somebody out of the clear blue. I've seen it in the yeah. NFL. I didn't expect the Colts to fire. Exactly. Name, and that'd be the first firing of the season. So, yeah, so, I, of course. Based on history and what I've seen, I'm going to say I'm selling that. I don't think he's going to be the first coach fired, but I also don't have an answer on who will be the first coach fired. But it's just I, – I, it would shock me a little bit. Is he the problem here on this team? Maybe. So I'm going to sell it. I am – 100% going to buy it. Wow. I'm looking through the teams. Yeah, I can't think of another team that would. And I, I can't see another coach falling off. There's one coach that I could see shockingly being fired at any moment. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week from now. It could be three months from now. It could be four years from now. I could think of one maybe. There's a coach that just seems to always have problems after his first year with his current team. Who's on? Who are you thinking? Um, the coach of the devil, or not the devils? The coach of the ducks. Oh, they were expected to kind of stink, this right? Bad. Not this, this bad. Not this bad. This is bad. You got some talent on your team. If they no. came out and they were fired tomorrow. I wouldn't be like, oh, this came as a surprise. Yeah. Uh, listen, I understand. You're right. That is true. Everywhere Gerard Gallant goes, he gets fired mysteriously. It, that, that is true. 12 to 14 months into the tenure. He's with Florida. They're in first place. They lose a game to Carolina. Boom. Done. He has to take his own taxi cab to the airport from Carolina's rink. He's in Vegas. They're the best team in the league. They go to the cup in year number one of their existence. They dominate everyone. They fire him, and he goes, and they hire Peter DeBoer from San Jose, who's their biggest rival at that point in time. There was a point where the Sharks in Vegas were the two best teams in the West Coast, and now the Sharks fell off, but the Sharks were really good at that point in time. All of a sudden, Peter DeBoer comes in. Now Gallant is with the Rangers. Everything's going according to plan. The Rangers make it to the conference final last year. Look like they're going to go the distance with the Lightning. The Lightning end up pulling out a win because they're a slightly better team than the New York Rangers, who were the second best team in the East, according to the playoffs. He lived up to expectations in year one. So far this year, the Rangers have been okay, right? I think it's fair to say the Rangers have been okay. They're 8-6-3 and three for 19 standings points. They are currently holding down the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. I just could see him being the first coach fired too, but I am buying Bruce Boudreaux as the first coach fired. Just as of right now, things have not gone the way of the Canucks. And I'm going with Dallas Eakins, head coach of the Ducks, okay. just because uh, it just seems right. He doesn't seem like he's got that mold to be a head coach. I don't know. There's something about him that doesn't fit this Ducks team. For a second, I thought Skoke said Torts. He thought Torts, but then he got confused on what team Torts was uh, coaching because I was like, if you think Torts is going to be fired, you're on glue because you don't bring a guy like John Tortorella in 
to this Philly organization and fire him this early into the season or even during the season at all, especially with how they've been performing. They've been competitive. So I, I, I was going to have a mini heart attack here on stream. But Did you see his interview yesterday? That was so funny. Should I he, play the he, audio? He wanted, go for it. He wanted no part in that interview whatsoever. And he I just wanted, think it's- he wanted to hang up that headset so quick. I agree with you. And I just think it's funny because he was like partners with all the ESPN guys last year. Yeah. Like he was, uh, he was uh, Brian Boucher's teammate last year on the broadcast. And now this year he's just shitting on his face. So here is John Tortorella talking to the media mid game during last night's Philadelphia Flyers game. Towards you guys, give up the first goal. Just, just thoughts on your team start here so far in the first 15 plus minutes. We suck. We haven't forechecked. We haven't done anything as of right now. What do you want to see differently? Forechecking. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's John Tortorella talking about the Flyers sucking. Um, he's been an interesting coach so far this year. The Flyers have played above expectations up to what this point. Expect, yeah, I know. The team Hey, I mean, don't ask, don't act like a sourpuss. Like, what do you expect? I mean, I love John Tortora. I think he's funny. I love that he tells it like it is. Like he said, we suck. I love that about him. And I wish more head coaches kind of were like that. But why, why are you going to be like sourpuss over? You knew what you're getting yourself into. You knew the Philadelphia Flyers were going to suck. You can't be surprised. I I think that's why they exceed expectations though, because he's like that. Because he's like, we suck. You're better than that. Even if they're not, he tells them they are. They believe they are. And I I do think there's like a tactic to that. I agree. John Tortorella doesn't actually like think that about his team. Like he's pissed off in the moment. He wants to win. And don't, don't talk to John Tortorella about Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli. He'd punch you right in the face. They're losing in general. Yeah, I, I think mid-game interviews are so weird and cringe, but they continuously – they must do something for the ratings. There's got to be some kind of positive benefit to it that they continuously keep doing shit like that, but it's just always funny and cringe every time. Frank, speaking of teams that use orange, Connor McDavid currently leads the National Hockey League with 15 goals. He has a one-goal lead over Bo Horvat of the Vancouver Canucks, and we have not seen guys like Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon and others really get it. Alexander Ovechkin, they're all around, hovering around seven, eight, nine goals, easily attainable to get to the league lead. The guys that we've seen normally, Leon Dreisaitl, I think, has nine. So they're all right around the same area. They could easily consistently produce. McDavid was hot early. So I ask you, knowing all this information, Buy or sell, Connor McDavid will win the Rocket Richard Trophy. I'm going to absolutely buy it, and I might regret it because um, there are guys like Matthews and McKinnon who could just, you know, power through, dry sidle, score some goals. We've seen it. But when you got a guy like Connor McDavid who has such a big lead over some of the guys I mentioned, it's going to be hard, very hard for them to catch. And I don't care if Bo Horvat's one goal behind them. He's not going to win the Rocket Richard. I'd be stunned if Bo Horvat won the Rocket Richard. But the fact that Connor McDavid has such a giant lead and he's not going to slow down, that's a, that's a given. He's not going to slow down barring an injury. I'm absolutely buying that this may be the year that Connor McDavid wins the Rocket Richard. 
I'm selling it. Wow. I'm yeah, I have to. I have to. I think he'll be like 50 goals. I just I think he's so committed. He's so committed to scoring goals and setting them up that there will be weeks where he has 15 assists and two goals. And, you know, Dry Settle's going to keep scoring goals. Kirill Kaprizov is going to keep scoring goals. Alexander Ovechkin is going to keep scoring goals. Uh, who'd I miss? Austin Matthews is going to keep scoring goals. All those guys I named, they make nice passes and stuff like that, but they're all shoot first. McDavid, although he leads the league currently, is not shoot first. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't lead the league in goals by the end of November. That is insane. I'm insane. That's what we like on this show. That's what we like on this show. Frank, we talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins already. We've touched a little bit on the Washington Capitals. They have each won the Stanley Cup in the last 10 years. They each have a player who will go down as a top 10 player who ever, ever, ever lived. One of them might reach 2,000 points. One of them might be the NHL's all-time leading goal scorer. They're both going to the Hall of Fame. Both of their teams suck right now. I ask you, buy or sell, Pittsburgh and Washington miss the postseason. If you were to ask me this question preseason, I would have to sell it because I would only had Pittsburgh in the postseason. But the conversation we had about Pittsburgh earlier also kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. I'm going to buy it and say they're both going to miss the postseason. I for sure think that the Washington Capitals are going to miss the postseason. I was very adamant on that coming into this uh, NHL season. Uh, they don't look like they're going to make the postseason. And as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins go, I don't see anything major changing in this franchise right now. It's kind of like you're not you're not fixing what's broken right now. You're just kind of going through the motions and repeated, repeated, repeatedly doing the same thing over and over again and over again. And you're like, well, maybe next game it'll work. It's not working this time. We'll just go out there again and we'll do the same thing. It's not going to work, but it, that's what we're used to. And we've had success with it in the past, so it's going to work now. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And given my statement earlier, how I see them missing the postseason, I have to buy this proposition you're giving me. I am also buying it, which is good news for the New Jersey Devils. But that's not what's important here. I just hope Ovechkin keeps pumping out goals and Crosby keeps pumping out points because I want Crosby to be the second player to ever reach 2,000 points. And I want Ovechkin to break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record. He will be in second place by the time the season is over. He only needs, what, 12 more? So it's going to be a fun ride um, with those two guys. But as far as their teams, not looking pretty. I believe Ovechkin will end his career with the Washington Capitals. I do not believe Sidney Crosby will end his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's going to be very interesting to watch over the next couple of years. But at least even though their teams, they don't stink, but they're mediocre. They have reasons to tune in to their games because of those two gentlemen. Very fun to watch at the end of the day. I am also, but I am buying that they will both miss the postseason. They're probably both going to shove it up our hoop this season and say, hey, <laughs> Watch remember, them both us? remember us, you idiots? Yeah. You thought we'd both miss? That would be We're, insane, too. We both make it, idiots. We're I would be fucking, stunned. We're fucking Ovechkin and Crosby. Who are you laughing at? Um, as of right now, Frank, the Vegas Golden Knights lead the Western Conference in standings points. 
Last season, the five best teams in the Western Conference were the Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, St. Louis Blues. I, I have it backwards. I didn't mean to say Nashville. The five best teams in the NHL's Western Conference last year were the Colorado Avalanche, Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues, Edmonton Oilers, and Calgary Flames. Frank, is Vegas going to end up with the most points in the West this year after missing the postseason last year? All five of those teams that I named that were the best last year have kind of gotten off to slow starts this year. Do you think one of them comes up and rises above Vegas? So you're asking me, do I think that the Vegas Golden Knights, are they going to have the most points in the Western Conference? Yes. I'm going to buy that only because me and you were so high coming out in on Vegas this season. We said they're going to get They have everybody healthy back, got a healthy Jack Eichel. This could be the year that Vegas really turns it around. And they've honestly exceeded my expectations a bit. They're tied with the Devils. They are 13-3 and three right now. Um, I thought they'd be good, but even at 11-5, and five, that's good. But, no, they're exceeding that. They're 13-3. and three. Obviously, there's great argument to say that the reigning, defending Colorado Avalanche are going to find their shit and Kale McCarr, Rantanen, McKinnon, you name it, are going to come and just take the Western Conference away. I don't see that this year. I think this is a huge bounce back year for the Vegas Golden Knights. When healthy, they are one of the most dangerous teams to play against in the league. They are have one of the most dangerous arenas to play in, the Fortress. From what I've seen, I don't think there's any slowing them down right now. They are a powerhouse. I'm going to say they remain the number one team in the Western Conference come the end of the 2022 regular season. That's the reason I named the five best teams from last year in the Western Conference because their two biggest challenge or their three biggest challengers for the top spot in the West right now are none of those five teams. The Los Angeles Kings, Dallas Stars, and Winnipeg Jets are the ones closest to them in the standings points. And for that reason, I'm going to agree with you and buy Vegas as the winners of the Western Conference in the regular season. I do believe that's going to happen, and it's not against any of the other teams. That's how good I think Vegas is. What I've seen from Eichel lately is just They are other contenders. Absolutely. I hope and they win the cup. They could absolutely win the cup. And Vegas is very good. I think they're going to win the West. I do think Los Angeles, Dallas, Winnipeg will give them a run for their money. All those teams are very good. I've liked what I've seen from all of them. Um, I think Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, not St. Louis, um, maybe not even Nashville, maybe not even Minnesota, Edmonton, Calgary. Those teams could make things interesting too. We know what types of players those guys have. But as of right now, I don't see anybody challenging Vegas. Now, Speaking of expansion, the Seattle Kraken currently have 19 standings points. They're standing at the 11th place team in the NHL. And I believe they're currently third in the Pacific. Yep, they're third in the Pacific behind only Vegas and the Los Angeles Kings. We called them competitively bad the last couple weeks on this show. They have been anything other than good or nothing other than good. So far this season, competitively bad is wrong, is a wrong way to describe what Seattle has done so far this season. I can confidently say that at this point in time. 
So I'm asking you now, buy or sell the Kraken are for real. I'm selling it. They're not for real. Um, once again, it's one of those situations where it's easy to get high on your horse for the Seattle Kraken from what we've seen. But we have only played a minuscule part of the NHL season. There is still three quarters of the season to be played. And I think that that's going to do a lot of telling to see how a young team, expansion team like the Kraken, kind of play this out the rest of the way going forward. I see them falling off a little bit. I, I don't necessarily seeing them, you know, having continued success as they are. I In my brain, they're still competitively bad to me over a long period of time. Maybe not right now. Maybe they're good right now. But over a long period of time, I have them as competitively bad. This is going to be a team that falls off at the end. They just don't have the right roster to sustain this kind of success that they're having and be that playoff team. I am selling. I am stunned. Absolutely flabbergasted. Because I think they're a lottery team. I think they're very bad. I think they're very, I didn't think you were going to have this take. (laughs) They're bad. Like, I know they have. Listen, I do stand by my statement in my intro. I wasn't just saying it to try and convince you one way or the other. They have been better than competitively bad so far. They haven't come back from being three down four times, and that's how they got their wins. They have thoroughly beaten everyone they've played. They have been good. Going forward, I believe they will be competitively bad. And it probably could even start as early as this week. Um, the Minnesota Wild are currently out of a playoff spot. by uh, They're tied for the second wild card spot. Nashville's only one point behind. Those teams can easily push up and in. Um, Seattle's gone. Edmonton and Calgary are going to rise above them in the um, standings, I believe. Um, one of Minnesota or Nashville will make it. Winnipeg, to me, is the shaky one because they're in second place in the division. If they got pushed out in favor of one of Minnesota or Nashville, I wouldn't be surprised either. But as of right now, I believe in Winnipeg because I've seen their players do what they're doing in the past. I haven't seen Seattle's players doing what they're doing in the past. And that's why I agree with you. I am selling that they are for real. If anything, I can see them slumping so hard that they will be a lottery team by the end of the I, season. If Adam Stanley plays for the Seattle next year with Ben years and whatnot, I would be 0% surprised. I agree. That's why I'm kind of surprised that you're surprised on my pick. Listen, I may be dumb, but I'm not an idiot. Same. Same. Frank, let's end this segment with a couple non-hockey-related questions just to uh-huh. add a little extra flair to it. Frank, Aaron Judge led the American League and Major League Baseball with 62 home runs. That broke Roger Maris's record for the most home runs in a single season by an American League player. Buy or sell, Aaron Judge leaves the New York Yankees in free agency this winter. Uh, I am selling that. I would be stunned if this man has the cojones to wear a shirt, and I don't care. He's not going to the Mets. To wear a shirt that says New York or nowhere, and he leaves the Yankees. I would just be stunned. I, I there's If it happens, it happens, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. And by the way, thank you. for I sh- Your ma says I'm not dumb. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Did she use the wrong war- your on purpose? 
listen. <laughs> why you gotta call people out? Maybe she's like making fun of you, like you're not dumb. We'll she's go with got that. My back. She's got my back. Anyway, I'm, I'm dumb. Anyway, I'm very dumb. Unless she was saying you're not dumb. But maybe she's not even talking to me because you agreed with me. You're like, same. So maybe maybe she's not even saying I'm not dumb. But anyway, no way he leaves New York. At least not this year. I don't give a fuck about the shirt. The shirt can kiss my ass. I don't care whatsoever. He did it to make Yankee fans cheer him on, and instead they fucking booed his ass in the postseason. New York Yankee fans are a bunch of gabagoos anyway. They don't deserve anything nice. But – I will be stunned if he leaves the New York Yankees. I am selling it. I do think he will stay. I think the Yankees will offer him $375 million in order to stay with them. Um, I got the judge, the judge man staying with the New York Yankees, but I don't give a shit about the shirt. If he said F you to every single Yankee fan and went on to play somewhere else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at him differently because of a shirt. What's he I supposed would. to do? What's he supposed to do, Frank? You don't wear have to wear, wear a shirt that says New York or New York something. You don't wear you a shirt. Wanna that please, you wouldn't want to please your fans if you were a professional athlete. I wouldn't make a fool out of myself by wearing a shirt that says something stupid if you're gonna go against it. No, I wouldn't. I would never wear a shirt if I'm against doing something. I hope he goes to the Mets so bad. That way. The best of both worlds. He stays true to the shirt, but I'll he leaves the freaking. I'll respect it. But if he goes anywhere else than New York, then it's like you're an idiot. Why, why, why would I do that? Something else, something else happened that made me think he's staying with the Yankees too. And that's why I wrote the prompt. Anthony Rizzo re signing with the Yankees. Those two have gotten so close. In the last couple of years, like there are so many reports about the bromance that has developed between Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo. So I think Aaron Judge is going to stay. He's going to be paid handsomely to stay too. We've agreed a lot. We have. It's kind of scaring me because, well, <laughs> you're not dumb. So yeah. I guess agreeing with you makes me smart. No, I am dumb. I'm just not an idiot. <laughs> Frank, the AFC of the National Football League is significantly better than the NFC of the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Buy or sell, an NFC team rises above and wins the Super Bowl. No, I'm selling. There is not a team right now that I think, honestly, honestly, from a logical standpoint, there's not an NFC team I could see winning the Super Bowl right now. There's one that you're saying. Tampa Bay? No, I cannot. I would be dumbfounded. My jaw would hit the floor. It'd be the biggest NFL shock I've ever seen. Okay. There, it is either going to be Buffalo or Kansas City. I'm still high on Buffalo. You are out of your mind. No. Every single year. These people, they doubt Tom Brady. I don't care if he's the greatest of all time. Every single year. Even last year, they lost the NFC title game because of a game-winning drive by the Rams. 
Football, the year football, they, were playing with the Super Bowl. they were plus 200 to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I don't care. Everyone doubts Tom Brady year in and year out, and you think we're going to go two years without a Tom Brady Super Bowl? Absolutely. Listen, the NFC sucks. They're going to be a team under 500 in the playoffs, possibly. It's okay. I'm also selling it. I don't think, unless it's the Buccaneers, I don't see how the Chiefs or the Bengals. Um, you're gonna hate me for this. The Bills have no shot. Oh, they have the a Bills, shot to go off their the, past couple games. The, no they can't run the football. It's okay. They have no running game. That's okay. None. That's all right. Well, they'll prevail. They're if still Josh, if Josh Allen doesn't dominate. They lose. He's kind of like the Zegris of the NFL in a lot of ways. They have to hit home runs. Otherwise, they are going to lose. I'm also I, – I, 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 I can't wait till the Bills win the Super Bowl. I sold this, but I do think Tampa Bay can win the Super Bowl. They're the only NFC team that I believe can. I think Philly's frauds. Minnesota's good, but – I don't see them beating Tampa Bay, if that makes sense. I could see Minnesota beating any team in the NFC outside of the Bucs. I think the Bucs are going to go on a run 2-0 since the divorce. Just saying. Tom Brady, he's got his laser focus in now. He's ready to rock. They've beaten good teams. They play in a weak division. If they get into the playoffs, nobody's smarter than that man. That's just, a big if. The A, yeah, the AFC. No, it's not. Getting into the playoffs. It's not a guarantee. It's by a lot. The a football lot? team. The football team is half a game out. And you think it's a lock? I would. I mean, it's not a mathematical lock. They got to keep winning games. That's. A, I'm not saying they're gonna miss. But I, I'm not saying by any means is it a oh, lock. Oh, yeah. I, I think them, the Eagles, and the Vikings are the three locks. I'm missing someone. Dallas will well, probably Vikings make it. The Eagles are the lock, for oh, sure. the, the, the Giants are getting close to being a lock. Um, The Giants are the reason I'm low on the Bills right now. Because Brian Dable, was he the straw that stirred the drink with the Bills? Was he what made their offense so good? Their defense is better this year than it was last year, but they can't run the football, and that scares me. You need to be able to run in the playoffs. The Bills could lose their next three games, and I will not back down from my take that they are winning the Super Bowl. I mean, they probably wouldn't be in a playoff spot if they lost their next three games. That's right. They prevail. I believe in Josh Allen. I believe in Josh Allen, too. I just – I'm like, they're not even in first place. It's okay. That's fine. The AFC, though, is so much deeper than the NFC. Kansas City, Cincinnati. Oh, I forgot I forgot an NFC team that I think could win, too, the 49ers. Um, Cincinnati, Miami, mm. Buffalo. I, I don't love the Jets. They're good, but I don't love They're them. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. No. Um, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting a big one in the NFC, though. Oh, the Ravens. The Ravens are damn good. Mm-hmm. The Ravens are damn good. Um, we'll see what happens, but that's a fun one. That, that was my favorite conversation. That's the one that char- sparked some true. We look at hockey relatively the same. 
we see the same things in hockey a lot of the time. You still got a lot to learn about football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, we will get into some much deeper football conversation here in period number I would too if I were you. Period number three. Welcome to period three, where we're going to start doing once a month, maybe twice a month, a new segment that I like to call Frankie's Video Game Corner. Frankie Mueller is one of the best video game writers on the internet right now. Am I just saying that because he's my co-host? No. Am I just saying that because he's my cousin? No. Am I just saying that because he's face-to-face with me right now? Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> I want to hear, because, listen, I've been loving the articles. You're making me want a PS5 so freaking bad. I might do Series X. I just got Chell. The video game is flowing through me again for the first time in a while. I'm excited about video games. I'm excited to hear what you have to say here. Lead us off with Frankie's Video Game Corner. What's going on in the world right now? What are the big stories out there? Lay it all out there, pal. Well, first and off. And tell people where they can find your shit. Well, you could go to apptrigger.com to read all of my articles. I try to pump out a couple articles per day. So if there's a popular video game that's out right now, there's a good chance I've covered it. I even I, I wrote an article yesterday about Sonic Frontiers something that maybe a lot of people wouldn't expect me to write. But if there's a good story out there, I want to be the first to write about it. So check out my stuff on apptrigger.com to read all of my articles. I also want to start off by saying that um, I think video games, at least by like our older generation, kind of get looked at in a different way than our generation look at video games. And I think that it is a topic that needs to be talked about more. And I think people have to be educated more on video games um, because there was something that happened uh, in the video game world. And I'm not going to kick off with it. That is a first time ever. And it's a big step forward for video gamers. So I can't wait to talk about it. That'll be the second thing I talk about. Um, thank you, Giovanna, for saying I am the best video game writer. I really appreciate it. Love you very much. Um, but I do want to start off with the 2022 Game of the Year uh, nominees came out. And there are some juicy nominees. Um, here are the nominees for Video Game of the Year. We got A Plague Tale, Rakim, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles. Those are your nominees. One of those games that I just named will be your 2022 Game of the Year nominee. Interestingly enough, God of War Ragnarok has 10 total video game nominees at the awards. This game has been out one week, and it leads the video game awards with the most nominees with 10, followed by Elden Ring with seven nominees. I'm interested to see what you think may you know, it's going to be one of those. But I've never been so torn on what wins Game of the Year. I would guess Ragnarok. You would think. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, Elden Ring 
Elden Ring took over the world by storm. And not to mention Elden Ring was more widely available to players. It wasn't an exclusive to one console. Not that that makes a difference. They don't take that into consideration because, you know, everybody who, you know, votes, like they don't give a shit if you don't have a PS4 or PS5. Like, yeah, if, like wins, get one. <laughs> yeah if, if it wins game of the year, it's like you're lost that you didn't get to play it. But it's going to be very tough. I don't think it's set in stone. And you're going to have those people on social media who are like, it's hands down God of War. And then you're going to have those people on social media like, you're crazy. Elden Ring was fantastic. It's got to win game of the year. So that'll be interestingly to see who takes it home. Um, I'm pretty sure both games got a 10 out of 10. So, I mean, it is a coin flip. So it'll be very interesting to see who comes out on top. But what I was alluding to before on what made history for the first time ever is that there was a category added to the Grammy Awards for video games. It's the first ever category in the Grammys that will be forever going forward this year. A video game will win an award going forward forever at the Grammys. So they have their own category in the Grammys. It's a huge stepping stone. I think it is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, however, video games were eligible for Grammy Awards in the past, but it wasn't a guarantee that it would win it. And it's for best score soundtrack. That's what was added this year and will go forward for however long, forever. Um, but a Grammy, a video game called Journey did win best score soundtrack back in 2013, but that was the last time a Grammy was ever awarded to a video game was back in 2013 for their soundtrack. So it's been almost 10 years since a video game has uh, had an award at the Grammys, but now starting this year, it's going to happen every year. I think it's fantastic. Here are the nominees for that. You got Aliens Fireteam Elite, Austin Wintory, who did the soundtrack on that game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok, Stephanie Economou, Call of Duty Vanguard, shocked that it's up for this but bear mccreary marvel's guardians of the galaxy richard jacques and old world and christopher tin did the soundtrack for that game those are your five nominees i think it's fantastic that more people are you know being educated on the video game world um so it'll be very cool to see somebody win a Grammy this year for their hard work. A lot of hard work goes into it. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Some people may just think, oh, I sit behind, you sit behind your on a chair and play video games. But it's like, if not just as much or if not more goes into it, the same as a movie. There is so, so much that goes into it. And I don't think a lot of people understand it. And I think it's great that these people are going to be recognized for their hard work. So couple other things. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone 2 is out today. It is out now. You could download for free and play it. So if you're listening to this and excited, you're, you like Call of Duty, you like free things, download Call of, Call of Duty Warzone 2.0. You can play it now on basically any console you want, PC, Xbox, PlayStation. So wherever you're going to game, you could probably download and play it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Call of Duty. It was always said that you know, 2023, there's not going to be a Call of Duty release. They're taking Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 this year, and they're not going to have a main release uh, in 2023 for their next installment. They're going to take a break, you know, kind of just put all their focuses 
focus on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. But something interesting came out in regards to this. They are not going back on their word. There will still not be a you know Call of Duty installment next year in the main franchise storyline. However, there is going to be a premium expansion, and I want your opinion on this. So the premium expansion of what we know so far right now is going to cost roughly $60 or $70. We don't know yet. It's going to cost the same amount as a Call of Duty video game was, but it's going to be mainly an expansion for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? Do you like that? Like, I have to shell out $60 to $70 on just an expansion, and you're not even getting a new game? So you have to put even that much more, almost buying a completely new game for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2? Or are you, like, upset about that? Like I would have to see what the expansion entails. It's going to be like they're going to add more to the uh, single player, add a completely, like, updated, revamped multiplayer. But is that worth it to you? Or are you kind of upset, upset about it? I would it? say it is worth it if the material given to me is equivalent to a standalone video game. Because it's not going to be anything new. That's like buying NHL 23 next year. But just changing the rosters a little bit, you know, adding some new game modes, but you don't have to buy a new game. But we're just going to call it like NHL 23 plus. And then yeah. NHL 24 will come out the year after. That's interesting. If they're adding to the story mode, though, and like you can continue off where it left off and it's adding to, you know, whatever's going on and if Skylar's correct here and saying that one of the rumors was the OG MW2 maps then yeah I would say that it's worth it. I agree. I think it's it's actually a pretty cool concept that you're just going to kind of I don't even know the right terminology you're going to kind of like reprogram a a full $60 game into a current $60 game and take more time out to develop the next Call of Duty for 2024. I don't know. I thought it was very interesting because I've never seen anything like this ever where a $60 game just says we're going to take a year off, but we're going to charge you another $60 to have the expansion for it. Because, you know, back in the day when we were gaming on the 360, we wanted expansions and DLC. We'd shell out 20 bucks for the DLC. But if you think about it, when there were three DLC packs and they all ranged from $20, that's $60 right there. For the DLC. So it's a little bit of a different approach that's going on here, but it should be interesting. Yep. I, I do think that's interesting. I, I, I would be all for it. You know, if you get what you pay for in life and if the expansion pack is worth it and they're just focusing on that for two years instead of, you know, adding a whole new game a year from now and you're paying $60 anyway, then yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Well, it is, it is gonna, that is what's gonna happen. So that's what I got on video games. Those are the biggest things going on right now. If you haven't had a chance to play God of War Ragnarok, that game is off the charts from what I've seen and what I've heard, and I think you'd really enjoy it. Have you watched any videos from it? Oh, yeah. It looks cool. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, that's Frankie's Video Game Corner. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at TheKingBean and read all his articles at apptrigger.com. Frank, the college football playoff came out yesterday. It is the third installment of it. We are getting near the nitty-gritty. We have rivalry week coming up in two weeks. There are a lot that will be decided at that point in time. Of course, at number six was the team on your head, LSU. Um, 
At number five was Tennessee. At four is TCU, three Michigan, two Ohio State, and one Georgia. Um, USC's at seven, I think is interesting to know. Alabama's at eight, Clemson nine, Utah is 10. What do you make of this current set of rankings? Well, one through five stayed the same. The only addition, because I, I like to focus on the top six, the first two out, because that's what they do mainly when you're watching, you know, the reveal on mm-hmm. ESPN. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, nothing really happened this past week that would indicate, like, we need to change these standings right now. The only thing that you got Oregon out of there because they had that tough heartbreak. And I texted you when that happened. I'm like, bye-bye, Oregon. Yep. And they're not even in the top 10. I don't even know where they're at, to be honest. And I could wow. I, 12. So they're so far gone. They have no shot at that. Um, LSU moving to six, that's big. I do think a two-loss LSU team is better than a two-loss Alabama team just because they have the head-to-head. So I think rightfully so. They're in at six. And they definitely have a shot now to make the top four. We'll see what happens. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, kind of comes out of all this after this week and after, you know, the, the rivalry week concludes. But um, very interesting stuff, and I'm excited. And I cannot wait till bowl season. You said you focus in on the top six. I normally focus in around the top six. I think it's important to know the teams that actually have a chance. And to me, that's the top seven right now. There is a path for USC to make it. Um, I do believe if they were to win out and a couple things went their way, I think they would legitimately have a chance. But And I felt the same way about Oregon, um, but they lost, so they're done. Um, if TCU loses, they'll be out of the top 10. I, I do believe that. Um, one of Michigan or Ohio State are going to lose, and the loser is going to drop to probably seven or eight, and they'll be done. Um Tennessee, Georgia, LSU. Can two of the three make it? I don't know. That kind of depends on TCU, in my opinion. But if Georgia plays Tennessee in the SEC championship game and wins, Tennessee's done. Mm -hmm. LSU doesn't play in a championship game, that means. USC would, if they win their conference title, I think they would jump LSU because a one-loss champion is better than a two-loss non-champion that didn't even play in the game um if i had to guess right now i think it's gonna go georgia georgia one of the big 10 michigan ohio state i don't have a prediction on that yet i think ohio state because i i think that i think it's georgia's year absolutely Me me too but if there was a team to upset them it would be Ohio State, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go final prediction. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, USC. Interesting. That's and my prediction as of right now. TCU saved their ass this past week. Who? TCU saved their ass this past week by beating Texas. Yes. yes. That was huge for them. Huge win. Now I think they can win their conference. Well, yeah, at this point. But you never know. You never know, but, you know. But I think – Logically speaking, I would think they probably get in at three. Um, USC's got a shot. There's no doubt that USC's got a shot. Oh, absolutely. And LSU has a shot too. They need help though. It's yeah, LSU's got a shot, but it's not looking likely. It's gonna I'm take. I'm surprised. Yeah, I agree. 
I'm surprised they're ranked ahead of USC, though. I disagree with that. I think the only reason they are in the committee is they're taking them beating Alabama into like heavy consideration because like nobody expected them to beat Alabama. And Alabama had Bryce Young, which is all it's not like Alabama had their backup quarterback going. So I think that that was like big on their resume to have. And the committee's just valuing that very high right now. Yep. We really have nothing to argue over right now because there's two Big Ten teams in the top four and only one Big Ten team will be there in the end. But there will be plenty for me and you to argue about about this college football ranking once it gets a little more heated. Right now it's pretty cut and dry. Mm -hmm. My only disagreement is I would flip LSU and USC, but I agree with you that that's probably the reason why. I just don't think a two-loss USC team, even though or a two-loss LSU team deserves to be ahead of a one-loss LSU or a USC team, even though I think if they were to play – and this is the problem, and I think this goes into a lot of people's considerations. If they were to play, LSU would absolutely destroy them. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to play. Why have separate conferences if you're going to only take the teams you think might win anyway? You know, that that's a very flawed way of right. thinking when it comes to making rankings. So, you know, I felt that way about Cincinnati last year. About 10 of the teams below them would destroy them if they played you know broke my heart but yeah yeah so are they the only group of five school ranked oh Tulane is ranked is Tulane group of five Tulane yeah they're group of five yeah they're ranked Cincinnati's ranked listen I still I have a uh, Cincinnati t-shirt I was all in on them last year huh I know yeah I was all in on them last year it broke my heart They'll be a they'll be a they'll be a power five school at one point. Yeah, soon, right? Isn't it like soon they're going to I, I think that'll hurt their chances at making it to the playoff early. Here, Skyler has the Oh yeah, UCF, that's right. UCF. I was like Tulane, I know for sure is group of five. Yeah, UCF is twenty, Tulane's twenty one, and Cincinnati's twenty five. So gonna be interesting. My favorite time of year. It is. And Talk you know, a little great. Right near the holidays, too. Oh, I know. It's nice and warm feeling. It's actually snowing right now. Um, Cool. The NFL, Frank, I believe it's the Chiefs versus everyone. The Chiefs are the team. The field are the other teams. Do you agree? Unfortunately, I agree. But I would gladly take the field. That's very unfan-sidedy of you. I know. But it's not. I I like to. I got to use my brain, right? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are the favorites. Look, I mean, look at what they've done this year. But in my heart, you make fun of me all you want, laugh at me all you want. I don't care, and I'm fine with saying this live. That whatever. I still am so high up on the Bills, and I think they've showed us once that they could beat them. They beat them this year. It would be their third meeting. And it would be it would be a clash. It would be a clash. I don't disagree with you on the Bills. I don't think I think not having a running game can keep them from winning the Super Bowl. It's not like I think the Bills are bad. And I don't even think they're worse than the Dolphins, who are ahead of them in their division. I don't. But the Dolphins do have a win against them. But and the fact that Tua's undefeated, 
in his last like 14 games does worry me a little bit. Like that's really good. And he's seven and oh this year and they're oh and three while he's getting his brain put back together. But the conversation then the conversation that always comes up, no matter what we talk about every week is experience. And Tua doesn't have any playoff experience where Josh Allen does. And he had that epic AFC battle last year in the playoffs, which is going to go a long way. Football is the only sport where your non-NFL experience can help you, in my opinion. Oh, we'll see. Tua Tungvaluwa. Just because Joe Burrow made it to the Super Bowl. Okay. And what did he do before playing for the Bengals? It has to do with that nice little hat of yours. I understand, but. And Tua Tungvaluwa dominated with Alabama. He came in and beat Georgia. And sent Jalen Hurts packing. Jalen Hurts is really good too now. Out of Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones, Mac Jones is the worst. Don't yeah, tell I would, want, I would want Tua out of all three of those. Oh, it's close between him and Jalen Hurts for me. Jalen Hurts has been really good. He's good, but I think the – I would take well. Tua, I think, too, though. But there are lots of Mac Jones apologists out there. I so. think Jalen Hurts is a little overrated, in my opinion, just because of how well the Eagles have been doing. I mean – so if you like side-by-side footage of Tua and Hurts, Tua looks like the better quarterback when he's back there. Yeah, well, they're two completely different run like quarter like Jalen Hurts plays like they're, Justin they are run differently, but yeah, they Tua or Jalen Hurts plays like Justin Fields in a lot of ways. Jalen Hurts gives me hope for Justin Fields. But I don't know. Let's talk about that Bills versus Vikings game. When my Minnesota Vikings Looked like they were dead, dead, dead. And they got the ball on the one-yard line. And they were stuffed by the Buffalo Bills defense. They took over on downs. And they didn't go in a shotgun formation in the end zone. And Josh Allen fumbled the football. And the Minnesota Vikings recovered it in the end zone. Excuse me for one second. Sorry, I had something in my throat. Um, They recovered in the end zone for a touchdown, and they took the lead. They left Josh Allen a little too much time. We know what Josh Allen can do when it comes to making big plays. Gets them down the field. Field goal ties the game. They go to overtime. The Vikings win. It was the most epic regular season game, I would say, up to this point. It's either that or the game against the Chiefs. The two best NFL games this season, the Bills were involved in both of them. Um, They won one of them. They lost the other. What did you make of that game? Because all it proved to me was that the Vikings, they can beat anyone. When push comes to shove, they can beat anyone. And don't tell me they don't have playoff experience either because they do. They do. But, I mean – the reason they won that game was largely in part of their defense. Oh, yeah. Um, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. That catch yeah. Made it, that catch I've ever seen. It still doesn't change my mind on Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, the Bills had so many opportunities to win that game. There was a point in my mind when they were when they turned the ball over on downs and Buffalo, you know, took over. I was like, you don't take a safety here. I don't think so. Because then you risk 
giving the Vikings too much time in the game Jefferson's had. He could easily just haul down the field and get in a field goal range and you lose. But I, there was such a heartbreaker that play call. He just fumbled the snap. That is like, I don't, I don't understand. Because if I'm a quarterback, and it's easier said than done, I guess. And I know this is the final play of the game. I'm dialed in on that ball. It's like he was looking all over, like, you know you're not going to – who are you trying to fool? Nobody on the Vikings thinks you're going to pass it or – like, you dial in and you're just there ready. He didn't even look when he got the ball. It hit his hands. He's like, oh, what? What happened? You snap – like, no, you're dialed in. You take the ball. And if you get the safety, all right, you get the safety. It's not the end of the world. If you get the ball, you at least have a chance to push forward and the game's over. They had no timeouts left. That's it. So I don't like the way that went about. I thought that was kind of a poor scenario that went down. But um, the Bills just had ample amount of times to win that game, and they just couldn't do it. I agree. Josh Allen leads the league in interceptions. Nobody talks about that. It was a tough game or a tough ending for him, and he's still at his best, the second-best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. I might take Joe Burrow over him at this point. I've loved what I've seen from Joey B this season and last season and in the playoffs and at LSU. Um, I would take Patrick Mahomes first over everyone, maybe probably ever, except Tom Brady. But it just was a – it left me a sour taste in my mouth on the Bills and how they handle big-time situations. Um, the Vikings are good. Kirk Cousins isn't great, but he's good enough. He is good enough. They can win with him. And my logic has always been who they're going to replace them with, if anything. You know, do they bottom out and try to draft a quarterback? Well, that roster is so good. You're seeing what it can do when they get average quarterback play. Um, they're probably happy they didn't trade for Russell Wilson at this point because he's been doo-doo this season. Hand up. I was wrong. I thought Russell Wilson – I still stand by my take on the Broncos roster, but they're poorly coached, and Russell Wilson has been dog meat. So that's led to them failing to meet any sort of expectations. It would be like if Stafford last year was bad. Well, Stafford went to Los Angeles and was good. Russell Wilson went to Denver and was bad. But I don't know. The Vikings are probably the most interesting team to me going into the postseason. Their only loss is to the Eagles, which is scary. So we'll see what happens with them. Yeah. Do you watch any of the Bears? course i watch the bears every week me too they looked really good and i'm happy they blew the lead to the lions i don't care about wins and losses i said that at the beginning of the season if they win five games this year i'd be stunned and they're finding ways to lose their defense is bad they traded roquan smith and khalil mack and robert quinn in the last year their defense is brutal they're the first team in nfl history to score 29 or more points in three straight weeks and lose every single one of those games it's remarkable the lions have not won a road game in 13 tries they finally did that against the bears Everything that I want is happening. Justin Fields looks incredible. He's making Walmart cashiers look like outstanding players on offense. He's making teams think they're actually going to lose. And then they ended up losing themselves. Their draft stock improves. If the season ended today, they'd have the fifth overall pick. I love 
what I'm seeing from the Bears. There were so many people pissed off that they lost. They need to learn how to win. They can't win. They suck. Their roster sucks. It's so bad. What do you mean they have to learn how to find a way to win? You find a way to win when your team is good and your defense can lock down Jared Goff. You know, I just, I I can't believe people were negative about that game. They allowed the Lions to pass them in the standings and potentially have a better draft pick than them. Like, it's a team in your division. You want them to finish near the bottom at this point. As long as Justin Fields looks like he's taking a big step, that's what I'm seeing. I'm happy with the Bears. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well. You know, Sports Illustrated had the Bears going 3-14, and 14, and I thought they were crazy, and I mean, I don't think they're going to lose out, to be honest with you. But, I mean, they're on pace to go 3-14 and 14 right now. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're going to lose out. Justin Fields has looked pretty good, which you like to see. Their defense is terrible, and it's kind of crazy because they had one of the best defenses a few years ago. And now they're just really, really bad. And I know you're very high up in draft capital and getting a high draft pick, and hopefully that benefits them. You know, hopefully whatever they get out of a fourth, fifth, third, whatever they end up being, sixth, um, hopefully that benefits them. And maybe Justin Fields could, you know, could finally be built around the right way. And down the line, I think that they will have a team to contend. I do. I agree. I agree completely. I'm looking at any of the top receivers in the draft or Will Anderson from Alabama. If they added Will Anderson from Alabama, he would probably be the best player on their defense as early as next season. So that's where I'm at on the team. Go Bears. Hopefully uh, I'm trying to think what what's this weekend. Is it Monday Night Football? For the no. Bears? Yeah. Mm, let me you got it or you want me to check? I got it. I got it. Bears. Um, the Bears. The Bears. Um, I, I hope Justin Fields just keeps playing the way that he has because – oh, that's right. They have the Falcons at noon, and the Falcons are getting three at home. Um, the Falcons are bad too, but they've been better than the Bears. I would say. They could win that game. I don't want them to because then they would tie the Falcons in – standings and have the tiebreaker like i just i want no, the Fields. falcons could win that game I'm saying. oh yeah i would i would pick the falcons probably. yeah so would i so we'll see i tomorrow's game is fun green bay tennessee hell yeah that's awesome it should be um aaron Rodgers tuesday was cut short this week because when he went on the pat mcafee show he didn't do it from home because when you play thursday night football tuesday is all of a lot of nfl teams use tuesday as like a recovery day and a film day. Mm-hmm. Um, not when you play Thursday night football, you go through walkthroughs on a Tuesday, which is very, very weird. Cause it's two days before the game. It's so crazy how impacted your schedule is based on when, when your game is, but yeah, it, it's fun. I'm excited for tomorrow. Green Bay and Tennessee. I'd love to see Tennessee take them down, but yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Tennessee, Tennessee, Colin Coward said yesterday that Tennessee is the best coached team in the NFL right now. And I'm trying to think of an argument against it because Bill Belichick is the greatest coach who ever lived, but I'm not going to sit here and act like he's the best coach in the league right now. Um, It's been a long time. Um, Andy Reid's the best offensive coach who ever lived in my opinion. Um, but he's got Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and a bunch of guys that help make things a lot easier. Um, 
which that's not taking anything away from Andy Reid. He knows how to put those guys in position to succeed. But I like what Tennessee has right now. And yeah, that they've been a they've been interesting. It's been yeah. Interesting. What are they six and three? Yeah. Um, and don't forget makes, to go about Tannehill for a little bit too. Yes. Yes. That leads me to my question: This upcoming weekend, what are you watching? Dude, I've been grinding Game of Thrones. I've been grinding. It's been it's been really good. We're on season three. We started season three. Probably gonna watch an episode tonight. That's been fantastic. It's like once I get into the groove, it's like all right, we'll knock them out, knock them out, knock them out, knock them out. Um, I also really want to see Wakanda Forever in theaters. Um, it's the best movie I've heard in Phase Four. It, it, it's just done it. It did an absolute uh, great job of the whole Chadwick Boseman situation. So I want to see how that goes down and uh, and officially close the chapter on Phase Four. Uh, Skokes said. He saw Wakanda Forever on Saturday. And how did you like it, sir? I'll be shocked if I like it more than Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, but it's very possible. I love the story of the Black Panther. And Katie and I just watched Civil War, and we saw that that's where he gets introduced is during Civil War. So, so excited. to Doctor Strange is next on the list for the rewatch. But... I love the MCU. I can't wait to watch Wakanda forever. I don't know if I'm going to have time to watch it this week or over the weekend or whatever, but you know, we'll see what I can do. I, I'd like to see it as soon as I can. I've avoided all spoilers at this point, but um, I'm glad to see Skokes was able to see it. I know Dylan saw it freaking by himself without us. <laughs> jerk. But um, as far as this weekend, see if the devils are able to keep on the win streak. Um, lots and lots of football. Almost done with love is blind season three. There you go. Very good season. Um, very interesting season. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you like Love is Blind, I highly recommend it because there's some drama. But, yeah, just – oh, Survivor. Absolutely yep. love Survivor. Got the new yep. app tonight. Excited about that. I'm trying to remember if I watched last week's. Oh, no. I think uh-huh. I did. No, I think I did. Because we had the wedding in between and, you know, a lot gets lost in the shuffle – with a big week like that, but I'm pretty sure I watched last week's episode. Um, yeah, I did. So I'm excited for the next one. It keeps getting more and more Can't interesting. Wait. And wait. now that we are done with periods one, two, and three, we are going to send it to America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. <laughs> Frank, where's my money, bitch? Whoever followed and tailed me last episode, very good. We had a very good Wednesday last week. So whoever decided to go with those picks, good off. It's the month of giving. Thanksgiving is right around the corner next week. I'm in a giving mood, so I added a bonus pick. I got four picks tonight for you guys. First off, we got the Buffalo Sabres, who've lost six in a row against the Ottawa Senators, who haven't been much better. I think the Sabres end their losing streak tonight. Once again, I was right with the Penguins ending their long losing streak. 
chose the correct game against the Capitals. They got it done, and I think this is the exact scenario where I think the Sabres could get it done tonight. They they lost last night 5-4 to four to Vancouver. Heartbreak. You thought they were in it. They thought they could get the job done against Vancouver. They can't. This isn't the NBA, so it doesn't matter if you play on a back-to-back. I think the Sabres get it done tonight. Sabres money line at plus 138 has a lot of value. I would never in a million years take the Senators, who have been just as bad, if not worse, than the Sabres lately, at a high, medium favorite, no shot, no chance in hell. That's my first pick, Sabres money line, plus 138. Switching over to the NBA, you got the Pacers at the Hornets. The Hornets are two-and-a-half-point favorites. On the money line, they're minus 139, which is a great price. LaMelo Ball is back in the lineup, and this line isn't reflecting that because of their recent poor play. They have been a bad team, but they haven't had LaMelo Ball. They have a 4-11 record, but at home against the Pacers team, who's not that good either, I think they get it done. Hornets money line at minus 139 is very, very good. Take it, get the value, because as soon as the Hornets start to play a little bit better with Ball in the lineup and – Ubre and whoever else on the team, I can't think of his name. Um, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward's out, but it's all right. Once they start to play a little bit better and they improve that four and eleven record with Bell, with Lamelo Ball in the lineup, the lines will start to reflect that. So take it at one thirty nine while you can tonight. The Bullies play tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans played last night, and the Pelicans were a two-point favorite against the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant with their full lineup, minus Desmond Bain. And the Grizzlies, are a, a, they are a powerhouse. They are a very good team in the NBA. And the Pelicans with Zion are very good. Zion didn't play last night, but the Pelicans managed to win being a two-point favorite. The Bulls have been pretty disappointing this season under 500 they're six and eight and the pelicans are only a three-point favorite against the bulls when in reality they should probably be six or seven point favorite i know zion is questionable for tonight it is the back-to-back for the pelicans um but i'm gonna side with you can either take the bulls plus three at minus 112 or uh, bulls money line at plus 123 i like both of those if you want to lean towards the money line but put your put a little bit on the money blind but put some on the plus three Either way is pretty good. Um, I, I just the line just it just doesn't seem right that they're a two point favorite against the Grizzlies with Zion out and with Zion questionable for tonight against a worse team, a much worse team. And the Bulls are only a three point favorite. Once again, those back to backs hard to play for the Pelicans. I don't like it. I, I'd love to take the Bulls. This is a great spot for the Bulls to pull off uh, an amazing. Uh, you know, an amazing upset, I guess you could call it. But my bonus pick, and if you're taking this, you're probably going to have to watch this live because this pick starts at 5 o'clock. It is a college football game. Eastern Michigan and Kent State. Eastern Michigan is the better of the two teams, yet they are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs against Kent State. And I think the reason being is because Kent State blew out um, Bowling Green last week, 40 to 6. So I think the bookies are just all over this. Uh, like, oh, they, they won by 34 against Bowling Green. So we're going to make this line great. These teams are up, or these, we're going to make this line big. These teams are almost identical. Like, I mean, almost identical. You look at the points per game, and 
hold on, because we got some asshole in the chat that I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bot. I know, but it's still an <laughs> asshole. We, Frank, we always were on the podcast. That's a first. It only took, checks my notes, 85 episodes for Frankie to call someone a fucking asshole. <laughs> well, I mean, we've had bots here before, but it's just to the point where you keep spamming. I don't want that. So anyway, these teams are almost identical, Eastern Michigan and Kent State. Kent State allows over 280 passing yards per game. And Eastern Michigan loves to throw the ball. They'll be able to air it out, get some good yardage in the passing game, and should keep this within one score. So I love Eastern Michigan plus 7.5 at minus 112. Either way, they should keep it within one score, maybe even get the upset win here according to the line, even though if they win, it wouldn't be an upset in my opinion. Those are my picks for you this week. We got four of them. You can either tail or fade. We'll see what's, what, what happens. I would tail Frankie. He's hot. And he picked a matching game. So, you know, I love that. Go Huskies tonight, playing a home game. Um, it makes me happy to hear you poop on the Senators. That's who the Devils play on Saturday. Um, I'm a little worried. I have one pick. I think the winning streak probably ends tomorrow. Good. I think I think the Toronto Maple Leafs I don't know what the line is on are going to get it done. Um I have it at hold on. I'll tell you what I have it at. I'm not sure. I mean, winning 10 games in a row is so hard and the Leafs are just they're a wild card. They could dominate you or make you look dumb. The Devils are dogs, see? So there's actually value on the Devils. The, the Devils, Devils are, have been dogs in a lot of these games. They haven't been getting credit. I don't get it. They're plus 120 on the road against Toronto. It's um, a good spot to take Toronto, I think. Yeah. As a favorite. You don't think there's value on the Devils at plus, though? They're not a big enough plus, in my opinion. But the fact that they're a plus at all. I mean, they've won 10 straight fucking games. I know. They were like plus 180 against Calgary. Yeah, that's wild. When they beat Calgary, they well, how what were they? What were they when they were down one nothing both times? Like plus probably like three or four hundred. That's banana. Dude, there's probably so many people that so, cashed out on that. So, the, but the fact is, like, and now all of a sudden they're like not a big plus because they won ten in a row. I think there's some value on Toronto because you could get Toronto as a low favorite, and they're gonna lose eventually. These are always the sketchiest games to bet on because you want to bet against the Devils, but then. You bet against the Devils, and the Devils go on a 13-game win streak. And it's like, well, it's just – it's hard to predict, man. Beliefs minus one and a half is plus 170. Yeah, I don't like doing that. I, I do. Like when the Devils finally lose, it's going to be by more than one goal. I know, but it, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just – I don't know, dude. And you know what's a free prop, though? What's that? Have you talked with Joey Parisi about a Devils prop? Oh, the shots over shots yeah. is like hitting at a 90% clip and mm -hmm. opponent, their opponent under shots is hitting at like an 80% clip. So you can right. bet the devils over shots and whoever they're playing under shots and it hits a lot. It's so weird. That is weird. Ye yesterday's game, dude, the Montreal Canadians had 15 shots in the first period. They ended with 26. 
They got 11 shots over the final two periods. The Devils had one bad first period. They were awful in the first period yesterday. They came out 0-0. They ended up out shooting them 39-26. to And in the first period, they were being outshot. After the first period, they were being outshot 15-11. to And they ended up out shooting them 39-26. to they got five shots in the second period and six shots in the third period. <laughs> got to keep an eye on that, the shot total. That should be interesting. Yeah. It's a wild prop, but it's been hitting. And it's a prop I'd never think the devil's prop. No, it's evolved. a devil's prop, not a wild prop. <laughs> You're funny. You're funny. Frank, that's our show. We've had everything great in this show. We played a game using this notepad. We've talked about the National Hockey League. We've argued about the National Football League. We talked some video games. God of War Ragnarok is on top of Frankie's mind right now. Um, Video game awards. It's been great stuff. Is there anything you'd like to say to promote yourself? Give a shout out, something like that to end the show. Well, um, you could read all my stuff on apptrigger.com. You guys already know that. I mentioned that. You could read Vinny's work. Vinny does a great job covering all sorts of hockey now at Puck Pros. It's a new – I don't have a little graphic to show you guys, but, yeah, it does puck pros. Um, and just, you know, this is the – it's the month of giving, like I said, Thanksgiving. So I just want to give thanks to you for having me as a co-host on the show. Thank Aldo for creating the Barroom Network. Thanks for everybody who watches the show and supports the show. I really appreciate that. And um, I look forward to next week's show because it's our last show before Thanksgiving. So. Absolutely. And don't think there won't be a Thanksgiving themed period on that show. Very excited about it. Talk about stuffing and gravy and potatoes. I'm going to grill you on whatever your favorite side is. If you try to tell me that cheese belongs on a Thanksgiving table, (laughs) I might grab you by your hair and pull it as much as I can. Don't give me any of this nonsense. We will have some great conversations about that. Frank, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and being part of the show and everyone in the chat, Skoke, Skyler, uh, G, my mom was here for a little bit. That was nice. Uh, uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining everyone who watched, but didn't even, even girls 69 point X, Y, Z. I'm thankful for you too. because <laughs> You added an extra layer of laughter to the, to the program, but you know, and Frank, thank you so much as always. It's been a great time. I'd like to give a special shout out to my girlfriend, Caitlin, who just celebrated a one-year dating anniversary. Congratulations, you too. Thank you. It's been a great time, and we had a wedding right after. Congratulations to Adam and Sam. It was a great time. I had one of the funnest weekends that I've ever had over this last little stretch here, and I'm so excited about the future and what's going on with this show and everything going on in life. It's just so beautiful, and I'm very thankful to have you as a part of it. Very thankful to have the bar room as a part of it, and... Make sure you keep watching the NHL because I am as into it as I've ever been. I wrote my most recent piece for Puck Pros over the weekend. Kind of a busy stretch of days with baseball, so I've been covering baseball a little bit more than I was prior because the hot stove is heating up again. But I wrote about Marc-Andre Fleury. He broke a record for the most teams shut out by a goalie with 28. And the only teams he hasn't shut out are Columbus, Minnesota, Vegas, and St. Louis. So we'll see if he's able to get one of those. But it was a nice piece up on puckpros.com. Make sure you go follow that. Frank, thank you always for a great show. People in the chat, thank you for listening. And as always, 
Have a good day. Thank you for listening.